Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this very special Thanksgiving edition of Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hacker Hameen Media. On this edition, we've got all your Survivor Series Fallout coverage, and we dive into the mess that is the women's division. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. We're talking creative as well as the business behind the business that is this crazy world of professional wrestling. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. Joined, as always, alongside my Huckleberry, RBV. Rick, welcome to your show. It's me, it's me. It's the R to the B to the V. Rick Vickery here. And I hope that each and every one of our fine listeners out there, especially those from the, the Hameen Media Discussion Group, I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope everyone got their, their fill of turkey, football, family, friends, so on, all that goes with the holiday. But Jargo, I, I know people like us, we didn't we didn't have much, much of a holiday. You know, it's just another day at the office for us. We're here hard at work putting together this week's episode of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. But man, I, I do got to ask. I know we don't go over overboard for the holidays, you and I, but did you have any good grub? Any, did you do any of the traditional eats or, or something you really enjoyed? We're doing swordfish tonight. You ever had swordfish, Rick? I, I could. I have not. Have you ever had swordfish? Shark? You ever had shark? I, I have not. I, I have to admit, I am not big on seafood. See, um, I'm, I'm a seafood much aficionado. Okay, there you go then. See, like shrimp, shrimp is like my limit. Yeah, no, uh, swordfish is very much like a fish steak. If you could imagine that, it's it's very much like the texture of a steak. It's way more dense than a regular fish, but it tastes like mm-hmm. fish. So how do you how do you guys prepare that? I mean, you just you we, grill it. You, we we you grill it. On it our, we grill it on our foreman grill and uh, garlic lemon butter. Ooh, the the go the go to foreman. Oh, dude, I, we live in an apartment building, right? So like, we can't have like mm-hmm. a regular charcoal or grill or anything like that. So, right, man, right. We, we got one of them forming grills, like, I don't know, three years ago, and now we have to replace it, like, every six months. That's how much we use the damn thing. Oh, that's awesome. So, so you just season it up a little bit, and you're good to go, huh? Yep. Awesome. Cooks all the fat what out you, of it, so it's nice and lean. Oh, so good. What, what, kind, of, uh, what kind of sides do you, do you pile up next to that bad boy? Uh, typically, you know, we'll do, like, you know, rice and peas, you know, so it's a very light seafoody dish. It's good. Not bad. It's good not stuff. Bad. How about you? Did you do anything uh, special for Thanksgiving? I, I did not. I, you know, I've never been a big fan of the traditional, you know, the over top, the turkey, the mashed potatoes, the gravy, and all that. I just, it's just not really my flavor, not my style. So I had, I had White Castles. Good for you. Good for you. Well, not, not just any White Castles, day-old White Castles. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. A few original sliders and some rubbery as hell cheese sticks and uh, chicken rings. That's that's what I had for Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know how much of this will actually make the show, but I'm going to tell you a story. <clears throat> so my ex-wife, the one that I was married to before the really, really cool one now, was uh, from Kentucky, right? We don't have White Castle around here. So, and the closest- do, you, do you guys have? Do you have anything close? Do you guys have crystals there or anything? No. Or? 
No, no. Okay. Um, no but, slider joints for you. No, no. But the closest one is on the basically the Illinois Indiana border. All right. Okay. So it's it's probably about a four hour drive or so. So we were in Kentucky one time, and uh, my one buddy was like, "Hey man, can you bring me back White Castle?" And I was like, "Dude, it's like an eleven hour drive. That stuff's going to be terrible by the time we get there." Nope. <clears throat> So we're on the way home, and it's like, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning, and we pull into this gas station, and it was a very Harold and Kumar-like moment where in the fucking background you could see the White Castle sign in the rearview mirror. Right. And so I call my buddy Doug, and I'm like, Doug, there's a White Castle across the street. I'm four hours out. How many burgers do you want? And he goes, bring me a case. Oh, yeah. The so big I, Crave case, baby. So I get him a Crave case. We drive back to his place. It's about a four-hour drive. <clears throat> get there like, you know, six in the morning. Knock on his front door, and the dude answers the door in his boxers. And I'm like, behold, your burgers, sir. And while I'm holding the box, he opens the son of a bitch up and starts eating them. <laughs> dude, you can't wait. And dude, nothing you, but got, his fucking boxers. Crave, man. Nothing but his boxers. When you got that castle crave, you cannot wait. So the dude eats all of the burgers in like one sitting. And then I, I call him the next day at work. And I'm like, how you feeling, buddy? And he's like, dude, I feel like crap. And I was like, well, I imagine you ate an entire fucking case of White Castle in your goddamn underwear at 6 o'clock in the morning. And he goes, that really happened? <laughs> like he thought the whole thing was a fucking dream true story shout out oh, to that, doug johnson that, that, that is perfect shout out to there doug we go. Johnson. A, a great a great traditional white castle story god there's just something about that place isn't there so, oh yeah well let's jump into uh monday night raw i like to entitle this episode step on me and the golden shovel you and that golden shovel so Stephanie kicks off the show, comes out bragging about how awesome Monday Night Raw is for winning Survivor Series. And it's all basically in thanks to her husband, Triple H, introduces Triple H. Triple H comes out while he's celebrating before he can utter a word. Kurt comes out, jumps in his face, basically says, this isn't me talking to you as the general manager. This is me talking to you as a man. You fuck with me again and I'm going to kill you. Stephanie's like, hey, break it up. Kurt, you want to keep your job that I just guaranteed to you. Jordan comes out. I mean, this thing was a train wreck, like right off the top. Is this what you wanted for your initial Survivor Series fallout? I was so turned off in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, you're pretty much right on there. I was expecting so much more here. So maybe a grand celebration, uh, something that's really because we essentially just had an entire month uh, of just kind of running in place. You know, everything was kind of on hold. Everyone was all lovey-dovey on the brands. They're, they're worried about taking out uh, the other show. Everything was kind of put in place for a bit. So I, I really wanted this show to come out and kickstart everything back up again for me, man. Get some hot programs going. Get the feuds cranked back up. I know we have quite a while. For Raw, for its next pay-per-view showing, which is going to be the Rumble, uh, which is that's at the end of of January, January correct? Yep. Uh, January twenty-eighth in Philly. 
Okay, see, I, I knew I had an exact date here. So I mean, we've almost got two months before they are back at it on pay-per-view. Now, I know that that's worried a lot of fans out there. I fully expect them to really start building up in at least one of them, hopefully both of them, that they are really going to go all out for the, this Christmas Day and New Year's Day Raw episodes. Uh, I think they're really going to want to make a special showing and not just chalk it up to, hey, it's a holiday, we're, we're screwed as usual. I think they're really going to try to spice us up and, and give us a reason to watch, really make these shows special. And I was hoping that they would really start gearing up for that during this episode this past Monday. Unfortunately, we did not get that. Now, Stephanie's out. She seems to be in a better mood. But wow, she just always has that bitch swagger about her. You know, she leads it. She kind of gets a segment going. And I am with you here. Man, this segment did very little for me. It didn't. Did you feel that it accomplished anything at all? Nothing. I felt like it honestly accomplished nothing other than setting up Jason Jordan versus Braun Strowman. Boy, talk about a must-see match. Well, I've got that right here in my notes, man. It was one thing that really burned me here. You know, this segment, it seemed like they just needed some kind of excuse to run Stephanie, Triple H, and a handful of other talents out there, but it was mainly about those authority figures. Uh, They didn't do anything to advance anything here. And I want to know, in what reality... In what reality is setting Strowman versus Jordan worthy of your opening segment payoff? Well, and that's the thing is, I if you are wondering why we're not talking about Survivor Series today, if you're not a, a regular listener to the Hameen uh, feed, Rick and I were on with Big Ray last Monday. We broke down all of Survivor Series, so there's no need to talk about it again today. If you want to hear our Survivor Series breakdown, jump over to the Hacker Hameen feed. You can find it there. As far as the open of this show goes, you're right. There's no payoff here because you have your, your two main characters here. Well, three main characters are Kurt, Hunter, and Stephanie. It's not like any of them are going to fight on Raw. I mean, I didn't necessarily mind the Stephanie promo because it was like, okay, I, she's we're gloating. That's what's going on here, Team Raw Celebration Mode. Hunter comes out, and you're waiting for Hunter to at least somewhat explain his actions, right? We thought that was going to be the payoff. Angle comes out, jumps in his face right away, and it's like, okay, cool. I can get behind this. But, like, from the second Jordan came out, this thing came off the rails and off the rails fast. And we got nothing from it. You know, like you said, we were expecting at least give me some. I was expecting, you know, Triple H in his typical fashion to put the twist on it, that this was all his genius plan all along. He threw SmackDown off their game thinking that he was going to turn. That's why he attacked Kurt. You know, try to put the light on him a little bit more, which I, I not so much that I'm saying that I think there needs to be any more of a spotlight on him than they already, you know, overemphasize. But at least it would have made, it would have, it would have made some sense. There would have been some logic behind it. Well, coming out of the rumble, right? Or, or out of Survivor Series, I wanted a roadmap to the Rumble. Because coming out of Survivor Series, the, my only like big question as far as this angle goes is, who is the match? Is the match Braun Strowman in Triple H? Is the match Kurt Angle in Triple H? Is the match Shane McMahon in Triple H? That was the first question that should have been answered off the top of the show. And I still have no idea after watching a three freaking hour show. 
Like, what the hell's the point here? We have to advance the story. Coming out of a pay-per-view, well, it shouldn't be that fucking hard. This this really got to me here. It, everything here, I, I probably, you know, in, in saying nothing, it kind of triggered a lot of thought on my end about Triple H, what we've seen before and where we're going in the future. This is becoming a bit of a, a rinse and repeat with Triple H, especially the, around this time of year. I mean, he shows up, puts himself in a marquee position. They tease multiple directions for his WrestleMania program. And then he disappears. And we are limbo. You know, it's the same formula each and every time now. Yeah, I'm so confused. I, I just, I want a roadmap. I want to know where we're going here other than in the toilet because I feel like that's the direction that we're going. We've seen this so many other times. I mean, he, he might sporadically show up between now and the Rumble, but we're not going to get you know, a definitive direction with anything that's going. It's kind of up in the air now. Well, I think it's because they think they, they overloaded the show with some star power. And a lot of that I don't even feel was, was really... It wasn't boring. needed. They didn't need all of that. Yeah. But they think they have to do this every year about this time to get that teaser out there because there has to be some sort of major program with... I don't know, a power struggle or however you want to go about it, but it there has to be that major Triple H, Triple H program. Do you think Hunter does this on purpose? Or do you think that Hunter is just completely not self-aware? Like, do you think in Hunter's mind, he's like, I'm getting over Braun Strowman. And like, he justifies it in his own mind. Or do you think that he honestly goes in there with the golden shovel? I think it's... I think it's in all their heads, just just not his. You know, it's in anyone that has any any kind of stroke there. It's in Vince's. It's in Stephanie's. Um, and, and they're just getting that reconfirmed by the yes men are there. I mean, I, I've got a – I started thinking about, about this with Triple H. When is the last time a program with Triple H really did anything for the a talent opposing him? I mean, we probably have to go back, back to what, WrestleMania 30 – with Daniel Bryan. Well, yeah, and that was kicking and screaming and dragging him by the freaking hair. Yeah, and can you really think of any time in between there that he's done anything for anybody? No. I mean, let's look at this. At the over at WrestleMania 31, the overbooking and H going over killed the long-awaited Sting debut in WWE. Yep. Yeah, that was by far probably the worst booking in history. Yeah, not not so much, you know, Sting does not need Triple H by any means to make him, but this was his, this is a guy who was, who has never stepped foot in that ring. Yeah, this was I'm, a I'm moment still mad about that. Like for, genuinely for Sting still and all mad. the fans. Yeah. And, and they crapped a bet on it. Then at, at WrestleMania 32, Roman benefited very little from H putting him over in that main event. It, it might've been one of the most, you know, ill received main events that I can remember. Wait until this year. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 I go. Don't hold my breath, right? Yeah, wait until this year. Roman's like, hold my beer. <laughs> oh, but then even then, even last year, you know, they rushed that feud with Seth Rollins. It just felt so forced. Triple H had the spotlight, you know, squarely focused on him with one of those, one of the only elaborate entrances of the night. Okay, and but after- but this is this is the problem, and, and why I paused so hard is I feel like the Seth Rollins and Triple H program could have been really good if Seth hadn't gotten hurt. I feel I'm like that was the deeper. problem there. That that might have been an issue there. 
okay, then you know what? Then hold off on it because you know you didn't want. You, oh, you agreed. I would. I would have just wanna, held off on it until like SummerSlam. Well, they didn't wanna. They didn't wanna hold off on it because one Triple H, he has to have that moment at WrestleMania. That you know, you know, that is his big payday. That's that's gonna be his biggest cut with his royalties and all that. He's gonna get for the few times he actually goes out and works in a year. But you know what? In there's even a deeper problem there. Instead of just waiting till you know Seth is ready, yeah, that was unfortunate. They they forced everything here. Triple H still had his, you know, they had that grand entrance with him on the motorcycle and all that 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 took up that took longer than some of the matches on the card. <laughs> but they this thing they held off on this thing to WrestleMania because they wanted to have that that big event feel around it when it was very clear that the moment Seth came back. This thing should have been in motion, but no, they sat on him and forced him as a heel on everyone. When it was clear as freaking day, that is not what that audience wanted. They they wanted to cheer him. They wanted to elevate him once again to the top of that roster as a face, and they refused to do it because they felt that they had to wait for that moment, for that Triple H moment where he was really going to sink his teeth into it, where he could shine the brightest. I applaud you, sir. Can't Couldn't have said that better myself. If they would have just brought Seth back as a babyface at Extreme Rules. But no, they had him come out on Raw and shit all over that crowd. Just like they did with Joe a couple of weeks ago. That crowd's going freaking nuts for Joe. And Joe's like, hey, hey, fuck you. And it was pretty much the same speech that both of them gave. Yep. Yep. You didn't care about me while I was hurt. Well, we all know that's not true. You know? It's like... We've been right. on here, like, counting the days, waiting for Joe to come back. The place comes unglued when he comes walking out. God, I just, I, yeah, we'll get more into that, I'm sure. Well, you know, it. I, I know you're going to be hot on that one, too, and, and I've got some, you know, a lot of material I, that I want to add to when we get to, the, you know, the Joe and the, and the Balor match coming up. But, you know, to, to kind of close this out here, man, I, I just really think that there's a bad taste left in the mouth of the fans when – H is overly involved, and it's almost like that stank is staying with the talents he's working with. Well, and and here's the thing, like, so the Survivor Series main event, you know, I I was looking at it on paper last night, and I'm looking at like who eliminates who and how this thing works out, and I'm like, on paper, it makes sense. Like you could look at it on paper, you could write the story out and go. This isn't that bad. Like, it's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's a Survivor Series main event, right? And it right. just and it just failed in execution completely because it was designed to get Braun Strowman over, but the problem was the focus was on Hunter the whole time, right? So even when Strowman goes over on Hunter, the focus was still on Hunter, not Strowman. So it's just, it, it was an, an execution thing. It just didn't work. But I think you could justify it. And when you really sit down and look at it on paper, you're like, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, then, then did, you, did you see the, the footage post-Survivor Series where he's exiting the arena and he does that little comedy spot by running into the stage and he's like over, like in a jokingly manner overselling that right there? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's overselling that Braun like concussed him, basically. No, no, no. I, no. I even took it. I didn't see it like any of that. It was like, come on, man. This, it's about him once again trying to remind everyone, hey, it's still about me over here. Right. I, I'm still the guy you should have to care about. Well, and it wouldn't be so goddamn bad if the 
if Papa Hunter and Triple H were the same person, you know, it's like he's a he's not even bipolar. He's like tripolar because there's there's Papa Hunter in NXT and then there's the cerebral assassin on Raw. And then somewhere in the middle is COO Paula Beck. And it's I just wish that it was all one narrative. Like, can't we just like Hunter? Can't Hunter like not be an asshole? I know it's a twisted concept, but I just want it all to be in continuity. What's kind of funny is on his post NXT takeover, uh, I I guess maybe address, you know, where we came on Facebook live and spoke to the WWE. You saw all three personalities in a span of like three minutes. I know. And and even not just, not just that we could visually just pick up on them ourselves. He blatantly came out, told you, (laughs) this is what I am here. This is what I am here, and I'm speaking to you as the guy in the middle. Well, and it's so frustrating because it's like, you know, even when I wrote the title for this, you know, it's Step on Me and the Golden Shovel. And it's like, how can I call Hunter the Golden Shovel when he's doing what he's doing in NXT, creating the next generation, supposedly, but then he comes to the main roster and does this shit, and it's like, is he just completely unaware of it? Like, inside of his own ego, inside of his own world, does he not see it? It's just crazy. I, I really think it is. I think it's one of those things that they're all just kind of blind to it. And I'm sorry, you know, it, it, I hate to really just harp on someone like this, but I think fans are, you know, the fans are just really picking up on this. They're, there's just a bad attitude towards him when he gets into these long-running programs like this, and it's negatively affecting those that he works with. You talk about the fans and their perception. I've got a note in here. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? What do you think about Braun Strowman? Uh, I've, I've got your note. I've, I guess go ahead and share what, what you've got there. Because I, I, know which, I know where you're going here. But I, let everyone out there else know what, what, you've, what you're kind of picking up on. Why does everybody hate Roman Reigns? Because he's pushed so goddamn hard, right? Why does everybody hate Brock Lesnar? Because he's only got like three moves, right? How long until people start to resent Braun Strowman? Because I feel See, I, like it's coming. I, I, I'm not going to dispute that this eventually will happen. It is just one of those things that it's, you know, the natural progression that, that happens so, so often these days. But I, I do think there are some major differences here. You know, Strowman, from the get-go, uh, he's always had, uh, I guess, he's always been afforded more of your standard push, but, but I think that becomes, it because, it's because of his size and how athletic he is, and he, he's not your run-of-the-mill, man. They're, Strowman's are not just growing on trees. They, they can't, they're not just pumping Strowman's out of the cookie-cutter performance center. I mean, he is, he is something special. He has something that you cannot teach, and that's just that he is uh, uh, just a monster of a man. The only thing that worries me is I feel like with Braun Strowman, you have to be very, very careful about who you put him in the ring with and how it's going to work. And I don't know if they have that many talents that match up really well with Braun Strowman, and I'm scared to death they're going to turn him into a big show 2.0. Hopefully they – and I I think that would be a long time down the road. I think there's enough – there's enough there that could keep him interesting for a while. Uh, and, you know, going, going back to say, and 
comparing him to Roman, and I'll bring up Roman here, kind of tie him in here. See, Roman, when when he went out on his own, it was blatantly clear, hey, this guy is it. You got, everyone should just love this guy. We're, we're circling all the horses around him. This is where we're going. Strowman, on the other hand, he kind of organically came up and got that following. They, they wanted him to be the person that everyone hated and despised, and then eventually Roman would conquer him, and, and they, they would hope that that was going to elevate Roman. Well, that kind of backfired on him. It went the other direction. So Strowman's kind of has grown on his own. And so much when you when you compare Lesnar in there, I think it's not so much Lesnar's moveset. I guess that is becoming a bit tiresome, and and people know his past, how athletic he is, and they're kind of mad he isn't working some of that style. I think mostly is that he's just not even there. You know, he works that limited schedule, and I think there's a lot of resentment there. But I know there's another side where a lot of fans are okay with that. You know, he is that special attraction that works for them. I feel like Braun Strowman needs to be the big stunt guy. Like, keep Strowman special enough that when Braun is there, you feel like absolutely anything could happen, like him emerging from a garbage truck or putting Kane through the ring or flipping over an ambulance or the mindless murder of Roman Reigns. Or, you know, like, like, like Austin, whenever Austin was around, you knew at any second he could drive a giant beer truck into the arena. There was just that, that special feeling about him. And I'm so afraid that with this three hour raw format, Strowman's going to get exposed. And I feel like it's already starting. I, I will agree with you on that. They, they need to keep, keep him on that edge, keep him on that edge where it keeps the fans on the edge of their seat. Let him just be, and this is what people absolutely love about him. He is a freaking monster. He should be able to do what he wants, when he wants, and that, and you, that kind of would give you that Austin feeling. You never know what this guy's going to do next. How over the top is he going to go, and who the hell's going to stop him? Because I feel like right now everybody's behind him, but when you've got people like Matt Hardy talking about, oh, yeah, you know, I've been in there with a lot of big guys, but this Braun Strowman... And then the post match interview with Jason Jordan, where yeah, know, see, I, I didn't, I didn't like those. Yeah, because it's it was just segments. like you know, yeah, Braun is our guy. We chose Braun, but come on, man, like don't do this. Yeah, don't this do this. To a conversation we've had in you know in our earlier days with the show, uh, which was a hot topic that we covered, I think, on a couple shows. It, you, it, and I can see where you now you're linking it to Roman here. It was that same thing. How much is too much? Is it a smart move to have other superstars and all these, you know, legends constantly reminding us, oh, he he is so great. We don't get why you guys don't like him. You should all just love him out of, out of nowhere. It kind of has that vibe to it. Yeah, especially when you start having other talent that is not in any way, shape, or form affiliated with this program talking about, oh, yeah, but that Braun Strowman. And it's like, okay, let's just pump the brakes a little bit here. You know, now I, I, I particularly did. I, I, I just come out. Yes, I know it's a strong word. I hated the segment with Jason Jordan in the trainer's room. I, I thought there was a huge missed opportunity there uh, involving him, evolving his character and tying in uh, the, you know, what had happened between Braun and Kane. What do you think of this whole Jason Jordan thing? Where are we at with this? Man, I don't see, you know, this poor kid, he is still getting that Rocky die or die, Rocky die heat, man. 
Well, I, I just, is, arguably, isn't that going to make him hotter? Like, the longer you can put it off, but I, I feel like it's time. Like, let's do this already. Yeah, I, I was, I'm almost at a point. I didn't think it was worthy of taking up that prime spot at Survivor Series. And I said that going into Survivor Series. Maybe I could be persuaded to go another way after, after what we know now, how flat that ending fell. But I, you know, I think as I was just kind of alluding to here on this show, I think they they missed an opportunity to evolve his character a bit. You know, when he came out to open the show, he was he was showing a cocky side when he confronted Triple H. And, and to me, you know, he's sitting there, you know, he's calling out, "Hey, give me give me this match with Triple H." Well, come on, you know, damn well in his head, he knows that Kurt Angle doesn't have the authority to put Triple H in any, you know, arbitrary match that, that he feels that would, be, you know, benefit the show or or a challenger. And Jason Jordan himself should know that, man, I'm going to throw this out there, but, man, there's like a 90% chance Triple H isn't going to suit up on a Monday Night Raw and take me on. He thinks he's above me. So he goes out there and throws out that cocky attitude. Hey, hey, McMahon, hey, I challenged him. I said I wanted him. I would have, I would have rolled that over to when he's in that trainer's, that trainer's room. I wish he would have showed a cocky side and been sitting there telling, telling his pops, you know, hey, man, and I had him. I was about ready to break down the monster among men until Kane stuck his nose in my business. So you, you would continue with this level of delusion that Jason Jordan had while he was backstage talking to Kurt. Yeah, you know, start selling. I can see that. I could see that. Hey, man. Kurt looked like such it. a proud papa when Jordan's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I can do this. I can do this. I can be, I can beat Braun Strowman. And Kurt's just looking at him like, no, you can't. But God damn, it's cute that you think you can. Right, man. <laughs> I, I was popping like, all over for that. Not because not yeah. it was good, because it was that bad. <laughs> that's what I would have liked. It was one of those things that was so cheesy. It worked. And I would have liked to see that continue. Like, man, I hate him, Pops. I, I could take on anyone. I'm just like you. I that would have worked. That would have that would have worked more for me than him kind of putting his tail between his legs and and in a not in a in a roundabout way trying to give you know Strowman that an extra rub. I have Raw on in the background as we're recording this, and there's just something about Hunter. Like I wish people like Jason Jordan could just sit backstage and stutter study Hunter's body language because Hunter does more with his character without ever saying a word in this promo than anybody else affiliated with it. Like, even Jordan, like, just came out and he's getting in Hunter's face, and I, I'm staring right at his eyes, and I just don't believe it. But I believe that, as I'm looking at Hunter, he's going to fucking kill Jason Jordan. Like, there's just something about your presence and how you carry yourself, and Hunter has always had that. Well, yeah, you know, we, we just kind of... I mean, we just bashed the hell out of Hunter with things going forward, but you know, we, we'll each give credit to him. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. He, he's such a seasoned veteran, and, and he loves the industry so much. He knows what's going on there. It's just a matter of, is too much too much with him right now? Well, and especially at this point in his career. Like, I, I think that people would love to cheer Triple H at this point of his career, knowing, you know, Papa Hunter. If he would just embrace the Papa Hunter character. Right. Missed opportunities. What did you think of the Jordan Strowman match? Any comment on the match itself? Uh, no. Uh, well, not not really the match itself. I guess 
I got a little pat on the back here. You know, a lot of people thought that Kane was being written off television. I kind of called that one. You know, it was just a just so he didn't have to do anything at Survivor Series. I, I, I think that's going to be a nice program. Like I said, we got two months until the Rumble. Well, that's Kane basically what I expected program. at Survivor Series. I think, you know, they, they wanted to have one main point there. Agree or disagree with the point and how it was executed. They stuck to it. I will give them credit for that. They did not overbook it with, with all these other shenanigans going on. And putting Kane through that canvas last week was just a way to get rid of him for a couple of days. Now they're coming back. They're picking up steam with that. Now, the match itself, you know, we going back here just a few minutes, we, we blasted it for being the payoff for that opening segment. What really got me here is they announced this for, for happening later in the night. To me, if you're going to go this route, this should have been one of those it happens now matches. Because telling me that I should stay tuned in tonight to see this later, it did nothing for me. I, you know, immediately I was like, great, no need to overly invest here. I, I can worry about what else I've got going yeah. on. I don't see anybody staying tuned in for Braun Strowman versus Jason Jordan. You're just like, no, now how that's going to end. You know? Yeah. Now, if this would have, if it would have been one of those, you guys are going to square off tonight and it happens now, come back from break, then you have the cane attack. Okay. That, that tells me a different story. That's a little bit of a hot opening when you finally get to your match. Now I've got Braun and Kane. They're back at it again. They're heating up. Uh, then you can kind of, you can keep up with the Braun, you know, refusing the medical attention throughout the show for a little, little while. But that stuff's out of the way for me. What should have been featured better, and I can't believe this this didn't I can't believe this opened the show and they didn't take time to hype this up as one of their marquee main events. Put this match uh, either in that transition between hour two and three, where they usually put on a hot match there, or even close to the show with it is the Finn Balor and Samoa Joe match. Which kicks off the show. What did you think of the match? Which absolutely killed me. What, what, what did you think of the match before we get into the creative behind it or lack thereof and the mess that's ensued over the last couple days? Um, I, I didn't think much of the match. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's Joe and Finn. It's good, you know, but it's, it's Joe and Finn. At this point, we've seen it. Okay, it's, it's, probably, it's probably the worst match I've seen between the two. Yeah, I felt like it was a fine TB match between the two. I just, I'm not sure that putting the two against each other I at guess, this point I is the best a, business. Well, I guess it's a fine opening match. Uh, you know, everyone out there knows where I stand when it comes to Finn Balor. I'm not a fan by any means. And now we have reports that even Vince has soured on him. The plays a line from the great Joe Dirt. No, it's not about what you want. It's about what the consumer wants. I might be against the guy. Vince might be against the guy. But the overwhelming majority of fans are hot. And I'm talking hot for Finn Balor. You know, to me, the, the smart business says, fix the character, build him back up, and milk that cash cow. You know, it just, it. this is one of those situations that just baffles me. Or Vince is like, well, he's not getting over. Well, you've been burying the fucking shit out of him for a month. I mean, you fed him to Kane multiple times with absolutely zero payoff. 
you've jobbed him to Joe a couple of times. Like, Joe was dominant throughout that match on Monday. It's not like Finn got a yeah, whole Finn, lot of offense. What was Finn, Finn's Finn, role Finn in the freaking no match the other day? Man. What was what was Finn's role in the Survivor Series match? Like, why was he even there? Uh, I, I don't know. Just name value? Yeah, I mean, just an, another completely interchangeable part. You know, you're, you're, you're not featuring him in any way. He's the very first universal champion. You put that over all the time. When's he going to get his rematch that he's been asking for for almost a fucking year now? Like, even if you just have Lesnar fucking squash him, because as it is, it looks like Lesnar's dodging Balor, which makes absolutely no fucking sense. Because Heyman keeps putting him over in promos, has been for six months. Well, let's, it just I, I, I doesn't just make any sense. Um, you know, because there's a lot of debate, because when this news broke about Vince being sour on him, I think it's kind of morphed into a, a number of different directions where it is kind of, we don't really know where the source, you know, what, what this originally began with. We know where the source and all came from, but the original, you know, statement, the thoughts. So what's Sports Illustrated is reporting, uh, the previous news about Finn Balor being Brock Lesnar's opponent at the WWE Royal, Royal Rumble, that was all false. He was never even being considered for the match, is what this report is saying. Uh, and it is the belief that, that Vince McMahon sees Balor is bland, uh, he is bland when he is not using his Demon King persona. Uh, goes on to further say that, that there is a belief that, that they see Baylor nothing more than a newer version of Dolph Ziggler, where he has great matches but isn't rewarded with the main event spot, and the office doesn't have faith in him because the office doesn't have faith in him in that main event role. I feel like everything that you just read, you also could just replace Finn Balor with Bray Wyatt. Probably. Like, they just don't get it. Like, Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor both should be, that should be one of your hottest, that should be a Randy Orton, John Cena level feud, given those two guys' age and their gimmicks. Like, whether you well, like Finn or not, I look at the picture that he posted on his Twitter the other day. You know, it's like, you, if even if you're in like a giant like 14,000 seat arena and there's 6,000 people in there so the pop doesn't sound as big all you got to do is look at the freaking video like you you don't even necessarily need to hear the crowd pop for Finn you can literally fucking see it you can literally see it but Vince doesn't Vince doesn't see it i don't you know they they have completely shit the bed with the with the difference between uh, Fonzie, Fonzie Finn, and Demon Finn. There is no difference besides an entrance and face paint. It's the same moveset. I, I don't feel an intensity. I, I don't feel reasoning to get into it. And I think it's because they have, when Vince and, and crew got their hands on it, they had no idea what it truly was. They, they just saw flashing lights, face paint, and markability. Yep. It's Instead of actually understanding creator. it. Instead of fully understanding what they have and what that what that transformation should mean, they they just completely swung and missed with it. I don't even feel like they swung. I feel like they just went up there with a bat and stood there with it on their shoulder. Let strike three go by. <laughs> just looking for four straight balls. Yep. Just just looking. Didn't even bother to swing the bat. And and then you also have I mean, while I popped for it and I thought it was great, the talking shop wwe shop promo with anderson and gallows just hawking merch it's just like 
Again, you guys just done drop the ball with them. You have one yeah. of the most dominant tag teams in the freaking world, and you've basically turned them into the Caucasian version of the New Day. Well, you know, you're different. There's nothing wrong with having that spot, you know, selling merch for the company and all that. No, well, it was a great you, promo. All, it was great. No, that's what I'm saying. When that's all they have for you, then then there's an issue. So what are we doing with Joe? Because it, it feels like we're building Joe for something. What are what are we building Joe for? Do you have any idea? Are we gonna, are we going to do Joe and Lesnar again? No, I think that gets into an, another conversation of where you know who who is ready for that position there. Man, I almost got the feeling that maybe maybe they don't know the direction they're going with with a handful of these towns, and Joe might be one of them. And they just know, hey, we got to keep him looking strong for when something does pop up here. Well, what do you see as the obvious match for Lesnar at the Rumble now? Uh, I don't know if there is one. Are you serious? Is there really, I, I mean, not, what would you do with it? I, I don't know if there's anything overly exciting at this point. I just, this Brock Lesnar title reign has really started to annoy me. The, the the lack of champion has really started to annoy me. Like I was fine with it for about I don't know the first six months. <laughs> now that now that we're pushing a year, I mean, how many times has he defended that fucking title since he won it at WrestleMania? Three, four. Come on. Uh, let's see. Great Balls of Fire. Survivor Series. <laughs> oh, I'm not even. I mean, SummerSlam. Was there one in between SummerSlam and Survivor Series, or no? Well, he didn't even defend ever. He didn't defend it. Survivor Series, but so he had I, a match. I think, all right, so it's just matches. I think he's only had three since WrestleMania. Maybe four, but definitely three. Well, he had Joe. It, he I, had I, Strowman. I, oh yeah, yeah. So he's had four. He had four matches then. Four matches in a year. I forgot. Uh, since WrestleMania. <laughs> As your champion. And we wonder what's I, going wrong. I'm wrong. okay with that because it's because it's a special act. I'm okay with it. I I, I understand it, but on the same hand, it's just like, dude, seriously. We get that it's building to Roman versus Brock. Did we have to start the story like two fucking years ago? Like, I don't even have any desire to watch the main event of WrestleMania this year, and I know that in November the year before, and I've known it since last November, and probably the November before that. Like, can we just do this and get it fucking over with? So would you Would you kind of, uh, I mean, it's no secret. You can go look online, uh, do any any search you'd like for WrestleMania tickets. Uh, they've already got, you can pick up tickets for 25 to $35 in the cheapest range for WrestleMania. Uh, it's only been on sale for two weeks here. They've already dropped that far. Do you think this is a backlash that people know where this is going? I think so. I think so. Because we all know so that it's going to be Brock total, and Roman and nobody fucking cares. So they've actually managed to find a way to take the entire, you know, just appeal and straw of the grandest spectacle in professional wrestling, WrestleMania. And already, they're starting to kill that by simply hitting at in the leak that, that it's going to be Roman's grand moment over Brock Lesnar. 
I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, really, think, think about the magnitude of that. Yeah, yeah. That match is being so poorly perceived that it is actually hurting the grandest spectacle in professional wrestling. I'd rather go to Long Beach. I'd rather see New Japan in Long Beach than deal with WrestleMania. I just go back to what you're talking about. Who who gets the nod against him at the Rumble? It's almost to the point. I, do you care? Is it going to really benefit anyone? I know AJ got that great rub because that was a novelty match. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, would it benefit anyone? Probably not. At this point, probably not. You, you know what? I'm going to go back to this. We, we, Which we, is we why it made all the sense times. in the world to just do Balor and just get it over with. You know, and it's real simple because you just had Paul Heyman put over AJ Styles and about, wow, what an incredible match, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Balor simply says, yeah, I beat Styles. And I want my fucking rematch. I I think uh, Balor is probably one of the few we're just talking about. Is is the rub in a loss to Brock going to do anything for anyone? He's probably one of the few that, that... this would elevate him right now. Yeah, if he goes out there and has half the match that AJ Styles had with Brock Lesnar, it benefits Finn Balor at this point, even in a loss. Right. But we don't want to do that because Finn's not getting over. What? What are you? What are you, what are you talking about? You know. But yet we stick with this Jinder Mahal thing, and we're gonna we're gonna keep pushing Jinder Mahal. And yet I look at the third quarter numbers and I see India's up, you know, six million dollars. I see the UK's up, you know, $42 million. Balor's from the UK. Gender's from India. Let's go with gender. What? It's like, you know, encouraging one of your friends to go back to his crazy girlfriend that you can't stand. I mean, come on. Just makes no sense to me. Speaking of things that make no sense to me, Asuka and Dana Brooke. What a, what what a classic! Number one, the Dana Brooke promo. I mean, good. the only thing that was missing from that was a giant flashing sign that said, "This is an advertisement for the WWE Network." I mean, the poor girl; she did what she could with it, but the the verbiage was just garbage, absolute garbage. I think this program. If it, if, if it actually, if I, I'm guessing we're going to get this played out for a little bit because they don't really, they want to do everything they can to keep Oscar away from the other events that are transpiring within the women's division. This is one of those programs that we should have been had wrapped up by now, but because everything went into hold mode for Survivor Series, we're getting this now. I mean, just this, this seemed like the natural thing after Oscar had went through Emma that you kind of just figured Dana was going to be the next head on that chopping block. To me, to me, you know, as I'm saying, this is anything and everything they can do to keep Oscar away from these new developments in a division. And I'm, I'm taking more so here that it is cowardly storytelling. When you had Oscar as the sole survivor and knowing the, the warrior attitude of her character, Man, it should have pushed her to the front of this division 
man, I wanted I wanted something really cool to kick off. You know, her maybe not a full blown chasing bliss, but I wanted her to come out here and say, you know what, you are my target, and I am my eyes on you. I am coming for you eventually. I wanted uh, during the open for Stephanie McMahon to call out anybody that lost for Raw and have Stephanie inform Alexa Bliss, you're going to be defending your title tonight against Asuka. That's your punishment for losing to Charlotte. And it would have made sense. And you could have either, A, put the title on Asuka, or B, you could have just had like Alexa take off running like a scared little bitch and get counted out, and you move forward with the program of Asuka chasing Bliss. But we get Dana I, I would have something along those lines. But yeah, instead we get Dana Because, I mean, when I saw this, I was just like, why the fuck are we doing this? Asuka's going to destroy her. What the hell are we doing here? The, the, the lone survivor. Like, if anybody is qualified for a title shot at this point, it's Asuka. And she's not even in the four-way to get the title shot. You put a bunch of losers in there competing for a title shot. And Asuka, the lone survivor, is well, and yeah, rewarded and, with Dana Brooke? I know you, you didn't completely agree with it. You would have went a different... Especially after you went to great lengths to really build up Natalia and Tamina in that match as they were like, oh, it's two-on-one, and these guys, they've been strong this whole match. You've got that great vet who has just lost the championship, and Tamina is hot tonight, and she's she's got that, you know, she's... She's got it in her DNA to be here. You know, she she's tough. She's right up there. Look what she, she just took out Jax. And then Oscar goes through him. And then you follow up with because Dana because Dana calls her out. She's just given this match here and we just forget Oscar about everything else that's going on. Yeah, like Oscar didn't want to be in the fatal four way. She's more yeah. concerned with getting her hands on Dana Brooke. Really? And then it's, we did find it interesting it, that is I guess we can move past that because there's really nothing to talk about as far as the match goes other than Asuka killing Dana, which is exactly what we expected to happen. But you know, when, one, one thing on Dana, I wish that they would they could somehow find a way to tap in to her personality and character when she's out there doing the, her fitness routines and that model, you know, fitness modeling aspect of, of her life. She is such a, a completely different. Uh, she's got. She's got personality. She's got. She, she draws you in, and then she comes to WWE, and what they have her do, it's like, are these the same people? Well, the most impressive thing that Dana Brooke does is that cartwheel flip thing she does when she comes out. I feel like the problem with Dana Brooke, and I can't believe I'm going to make this comparison. Dana Brooke and Roman Reigns have the same problem. <laughs> you ready for that? I think I've, I I I I think I know where you're going here. But they, go ahead. They just don't buy into the character. You know, like like they they come across as somebody playing a part on a screen. You just don't buy it. Right. I feel like that that that's well, the know, problem that, with both of them. Like Dana's Dana's at least trying. You know, but it's like she's trying too hard. Then that's on creative and management. You're not giving people the tools to succeed. You're not putting them in the right position. Yep, there's there's just something about that comfort level when the lights are on, you know? 
Well, let's move on to the, 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 the big story coming out of Raw, which, of course, is the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex, softer, prettier. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm calling these girls the harem. That's that's my name for the page fact. Yeah, I, 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 I saw that you had that in here, and I was wondering if this was like the official title or if this is something that you're kind of working with. Nope, that's what I'm going with. Hashtag the harem. Let's 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 try to make that go viral because I think that'd be a great name. Uh, I, well, I, I did I, see I, that I, they would do you, have. Would you, be, would you be opposed to them recycling a stable name? Uh, I I know where you're going here, and I I hate well because it. they're initials. Yeah, yeah. I, I know, but their initials. I, uh, I wondered if that was like in some weird way, like Vince's, you know, we all hear about his, you know, his raunchy, you know, sense of humor, what he, what he finds funny. And this seems like that's probably something right up there. Doesn't seem very PG to me. Pretty mean sisters throwback. Who who yeah. were the pretty mean sisters? Do you remember? Uh, I, I, I do remember this, but only I will give a shout out to our boys on the Wednesday edition of the locker room, which you can find over on the Hacker Hameen Media Group. Uh, one of the new hosts over there. I, I don't know if he's going to be joining regularly with the show on Wednesdays, or if he was just doing a spot there because Judge Ann was uh, happened to be off this week. But Billy Ray Valentine, man, I, I thought he did a great job. Tons of personality. But they were talking about uh, this very subject, uh, if they were going to go with the PMS name, and he went and did a look up there. And to my surprise, what do we, what do we have there? We had, uh, damn it, now I can't remember the two other ones, but the surprise name that I forgot about was Ryan Shamrock was on was in that fraction. Or Ryan faction, Shamrock. Faction. faction. Um, Molina. And, um, damn it. The black girl. What the hell was her Molina, name? Molina, she wasn't in there, was she? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wasn't that the uh, no, it was it was uh Jackie Jackie Terry Reynolds and Ryan Shamrock. Was it Jackie? Yep. She was in there and then they had um Meat was their like male guy. <laughs> Meat. <laughs> I love that gimmick. All right, well let's talk about the harem. So you have Paige making her grand return. And then introducing Mandy Rose and the girl whose name I couldn't remember last week, Sonia Deville. What did you think of the angle? And I guess we'll go from there to begin with. Okay. Well, uh, you know, first out of the gate, I'm even going to come out here. I'm going to admit that, that I perked up when I heard her music hit. But, but hold on here. I'm not so sure it was because it was actually Paige, because it was something a bit different. And I was just thankful that the monotony of, of these week in, week out, just run the entire women's division out there for a random multiple person match. I, I was just glad that that was being broken up. That got my attention. So, so Paige coming from back, there. And, that, and then what do you think of Mandy Rose and. Sonia Deville. Damn Man, it, I did I, it again. From, from that just, you know, just that initial, just just for that initial reaction when she came out, and I'm sorry, when she started kind of talking, I went back into, man, I hate to say it this way, 
I just didn't care. It wasn't holding me. And then, and then, you know, then again, I didn't come alone. Okay. What do we got here? And then it just kind of fell flat again for me. I, I mean, it's to me, I, I would have gone personally. I would have gone with Paige in the spot. She was in there. You've got that star power out there. She's, she's got the attention, all eyes on her. I think I would have brought Ruby Riot and Nikki cross as her cohorts. I wouldn't want that route with just it almost what I can imagine is like the toughest, badasses group that I could put together right now. You want the shield, but and then women. To flip that. Yeah, that, that's what I would have went there. And then I know we're going to jump into this on after the break when we're going to talk a little bit more about what we saw in SmackDown with this counterpart of this group. I, I would have went a totally different direction. We'll get there when we get to SmackDown. I, I would have had. This be kind of your badass over here. Maybe, you know, your anti-authority. And we'll get to SmackDown, but I would have went in a completely different direction there. Are you happy Paige is back? Been saying this for weeks, brother. She got that pop. I think she has short, short-term value. I'm not sure how, how long that shelf life is. You, you, obviously, you have to be worried. Uh, just about her personal, her personal life. Uh, she has to be. You, you would have to be kind of looking over your shoulder at her, right? Because she has to be considered somewhat of a liability. You don't know what she's going to do. She's already got two strikes against her on the wellness policy. Yep. I mean, are they? Are they? To me, they're really taking a gamble here to invest so much with her right here. Well, yeah, but the problem is they legitimately have so much invested in her. And, and and it's more so about the seven bucks productions deal than it is anything else. I, I, I firmly believe that. I, I think Paige is off TV again by February. I think right after the rumble. Okay, so I, I was I was just gonna ask you that. You kind of see them, hey man, let's ride this pony, this cash cow for all we can right now. Let's milk every damn dime out of this. And then when we the first chance we get Poof, they're gone. We're cutting her loose. And I think that's why, at least, I'm I'm trying to put myself into what I was thinking Monday versus what I think now. Um, Because it's absolutely a little bit different after seeing SmackDown. Um, My initial thought was Paige, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce would have been a whole lot better than Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Uh, I'm... Obviously not the biggest Paige fan. I, I think she's an absolute PR nightmare. And I don't think you want that anywhere near the company. I can tell you one thing. I don't want my kids Googling Paige. Uh, Mandy Rose, I think, has potential just because, let's face it, we both know it. Sex sells, and that girl's hot. But the problem is, I'm not sure that she has a head on her shoulders that can handle the WWE. I mean, when she first came in, she wanted to align herself with Eva Marie. Like she legitimately wanted to align herself with Eva Marie. And they've been talking about bringing Mandy up ever since then. Vince has had a hard on for her. That's why she's there. And Sonya Deville, there's absolutely no way I would have called up. If you want to continue with this horsewomen angle, there's no way to bring up. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Finish your, finish your thought there. There's no way I would have brought up another UFC fighter or MMA fighter 
who does you know, the MMA gimmick. There is a a lot that we don't know about that entire situation. Uh, you would think maybe maybe this kind of is dead in the water with with the uh, MMA horsewomen. Uh, you would think that that Rousey he pretty much controls that entire program storyline any developments that they have going forward if she's interested you got to believe wwe in, in any way shape or form is ready to bend over backwards and, and give her whatever she wants to make this thing happen if that is the case you gotta you gotta kind of feel bad here for deville because immediately that that kind of just makes her almost obsolete yeah i i immediately feel like all three of these girls are basically on two-month contracts you got two months to show us what you got and we'll go from there and see if we're going to put you on TV come February. That's very much how I felt about this. And then I started wondering, well, wh- why are we doing this? Like, there has to be some logic other than Paige just coming back. And I was like, okay, well, they're trying to, number one, they got to boost the women's roster if they want to do a women's rumble. Okay, so you bring up those three with Paige. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Then my other kind of immediate thought after seeing the beat down, not only that they had in the ring, but then beating down Alexa backstage was, is this how they're going to reunite the horsewomen to put them back together to start building to horsewomen versus horsewomen. But that doesn't seem to be the case after seeing SmackDown either. So I I'm not entirely sure what's going on here, but I do find it interesting that as soon as the angle happened on SmackDown. Nobody was talking about Paige anymore. It was a big story. All anybody wanted to do was talk about Paige to the point that I was like literally telling people, I don't want to fucking talk about this, dude. I'm so sick of this Paige story. I'm over Paige's return already, and it hasn't even been 24 hours. Sure enough, 24 hours later, nobody was talking about Paige anymore. Well said, man. Well said. You know, you, you caught it right there. You know, everything kind of just shifted and what everyone was so high on and, you know, fanboys are coming out of the woodwork for, you know, Paige is back, yada, yada, yada. And she's got this crew here with her. You know, what's going on? What, what's the direction? Irrelevant. It took a back seat real fast. Irrelevant in 24 hours. Nobody cared. Um, I am very interested in the Paige and company beatdown of Alexa Bliss. Do we agree that between the events of Sunday night and your precious Sharshar defeating the goddess and then the dejected backstage WWE network footage and then the promo that she gave on Monday and then the harem beating her down, is it safe to assume that Alexa Bliss is now officially a babyface? You know, to me... I was arguing this the entire week, and I do not agree. Why does this have to mean that Alexa is in the midst of a baby turn? She she's always been kind of that way. She's kind of that that whiny, whoa me kind of heel. She she wants she wants that to be the victim at, at most of the time. And she'll come out and she'll be cocky, but when things get hard on her, she's real quick to remind you that she is a victim. That's in her character. She is that. She is that. When it comes to personality, it reminds me a lot of Eric Cartman. <laughs> See, I'm sitting here thinking in my head. I was like, 
wow, that sounds an awful lot like Ric Flair. And then you go to, wow, that sounds an awful lot like Eric Cartman. Oh, I think, you know, Cartman's all, he's, he's underhanded. He's, he doesn't mind stabbing anyone in the back. But then when things aren't really going his way, he turns it in like, you know, where it's, everyone's against him. He's the victim, you know, especially in this past season with any of our South Park fans out there, you know, where he's constantly crying to his girlfriend and always trying to bring her back. He can go back. Then he's that major asshole again. And I get that vibe from Alexa. Here, what I would like to see here, I mean, why can't we have three sides mixing it up? I'm fully expecting Alexa to fire back here at some point. Hopefully not next week. I would like to see her sell this injury, sell this attack. But sometime soon, fire back with Nia Jax. Go get your big beast of a friend and go looking for for these bitches that did this to you. You know, let them play Alexa's version of the heel. Then you've got Bailey and Banks as, like, your faces here. And then Paige's crew could kind of be in the middle. And the reason that I see Paige's crew in the middle there was the obvious pandering to the crowd. You know, she wants she wants their admiration. She wants their approval. She was asking for it throughout the evening. She's an attention whore. But then they were they were but they attacked everybody. So there could be a middle ground here. I mean, this this could be this could be one of those situations where maybe we we don't know where the lines are at. They're blurred. You just got different groups here that now that this has happened, they don't like each other. And then let the fans decide who they want to support. Well, you're almost right, because you said they attacked everyone. There is one person they did not attack. Well, two, actually, because I guess they didn't take Dana Brooke out either. Maybe we can look forward to a three-on-one handicap match, Dana Brooke versus these three next week. Uh, But Jersey Mike is all advocating for a confrontation between these three and Asuka next week on raw are you ready to pull that trigger or do you keep those two storylines as far apart as you possibly can i think that they they went the cowardly route as i said earlier with not having oscar more involved in this show here so at this point i'm not going to overly quick fix this thing Hmm. i I wouldn't go right into this thing i would maybe give some kind of I don't know, subtle undertones that maybe even Paige and her crew know. You know, we don't know if we're ready to bite that, you know, bite into that yet. Maybe we'll keep our distance from that right now. But now, you know, you you have attacked everyone else. Well, and the reason I was saying, that, you know, Alexa's going to fire back here soon with Jax. They also kept Jax away for a reason, too. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Uh, I have it, a feeling... I, Go ahead. I would have, I would have, if you're going to go all in here, I am actually kind of against this because this goes right back to, you know, it's just a big, everyone in the damn division is almost seemingly lumped together again in some big program here, which I'm not a fan of by any means. I might have re, redone this entire, this entire thing. But, and I would, I would have got Oscar right in the mix from the get go. And now I think it's almost too soon for them to backpedal. I'm going to give them an opportunity to kind of to hold this off. And, and, and I want, but I want there to be something in there where I know that Paige, Paige is the brain on her team. She knows we, we don't want to go there just yet. We need to wait. Let's pick our time. 
did you very much get the impression that Paige is the leader here? Because that's the impression. Oh, I very. Got. Okay. Oh, yeah, very much. I don't think there's any doubt to that. You know, she's your star power. Well, the, the, uh, she's one of the people are familiar with. She's the one that can go out there and work the mic. You know, she's got she's got the the support of the audience from the get go. She's your leader. Well, I I ask for a reason because while they were very much presented like the Shield on Monday. I think this is going to turn much more Miztourage. I think this is going to be Paige and her cronies more so than a powerful three-woman group. That's kind of where I see this thing going. I, I would tend to agree with you. You know, outside of just three people jumping people, I, I, there wasn't really a whole lot of... I didn't pick up a whole lot of S.H.I.E.L.D. vibe. Oh, no, I was just immediately hearing that. Compare- oh, it's a female S.H.I.E.L.D. No, I, I don't no, I think this is much more a female Miztourage than it is a female Shield. I think a lot of it has to do uh, mainly because there's three of them. I didn't get any of the intensity of the impact that you felt with the when the Shield arrived on the scene. Oh, this agreed. was pretty much this. This what really I took from this, and I, I believe I made the comment quite a few times. This was Paige coming out. She was looking for that admiration. She was reminding people that she's back, and this was her coming to claim her house and she just so happened because she knows that there are some little clicks going on on in the roster uh we have friends that are watching each other's back she knows she needed some backup so she went and got two people from xc and they're going to get they're going to get a chance but this is mainly about Paige taking her house back sorry i'm over here snickering to myself because i'm thinking about Paige's house in roman's yard (laughs) it's just ridiculous absolutely absurd what a shitty neighborhood. Yeah, no shit, right? No shit. Well, speaking of the Miz and the Miz Taraj, let's uh let's start with Miz TV. Uh what did you think of Miz's retaliation to losing to Corbin? Not retaliation, that's not what I want, but you know what I mean. Maybe like his response. Or- yeah, his rebuttal. To losing to Corbin. Said it on the review show. Miz could afford that loss because he can he could take anything like that and twist it in his favor. I thought he did just that. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a good promo. Uh, uh, then once again, you know something that a lot of people miss so much with the Miz. The fans started taking to the Miz again, and he was quick to defuse it. Yeah, he's like, "Don't you fucking cheer me." You, you could just see it in Miz's face. Just don't you fucking cheer me. And he will do yep. anything he can to turn that crowd on him again. Um, I thought it was interesting. What was, or in, Maybe you picked up on something I didn't. What was the point of Miz calling Roman out like four times before the Shield music hit? Like, did I miss something there? Or was it just to... Uh, build anticipation to the shield music finally hitting. I, I think that's what it was. You know, it, it was because they had overhyped this thing as it was going to be Roman Reigns on Miz television. And, it, they, you know, the kind of, you know, Cole made the point to really sell hard. What What's next for Roman Reigns? Where is he going to go now that we've seen the shield re- reunite? They, they gave you that, that impression that we were going to get a spinoff. It was going to be something of his own. And then when that shield music did hit, even the announcers acted surprised, like, oh, we didn't, we didn't expect Rollins and Ambrose to be here. 
Like, really? You didn't expect those guys to be there? But they were really hammering that point home. Okay, well, if that was the intention for me, totally missed the mark. That was another one of those things that they did that makes people dislike Roman Reigns. You know? Whereas like, Miz says, Roman Reigns, come on out here. Nothing. Roman Reigns, come on out. Nothing. And it's like, Roman's just being a fucking dick. I think that's what they were going with it. It was like, get the right, fuck we're, out we're here, man. Let's get on with the goddamn yep. show. People were expecting him to come out, you know, the, the ramp as he does during his solo entrance. And they were trying to get that anticipation up and then hit that music. This, this entire, it, believe me, I, I would love to hear what some people think out there from because I, I think that the Shield reunion has Flat. just greatly just as cool as cooled off. And I'm sure that that the you know the illness that hit the locker room there, and especially Roman Reigns, ha- had quite to do with that. Well, the, I will the say, shield, I will the say, the shield has always been. Go ahead. I will say because I rag on the guy a lot. I think if anybody has benefited from this shield reunion, it's Dean Ambrose. Because it was like as soon as Dean put on the tactical gear, he was cool. Dean Ambrose again. There's just something about in his swagger and how he talks and his body language that's it works so much better than in jeans and a wife beater. Well, they just put like the cheese ball PG comedy routine Dean on hold. Yeah. And he got back to having that, that swagger that, that people gravitated towards. Yep. Yep. It's been very good for Dean. I'm not sure that it's necessarily helped Seth because every time I see Seth in the shield gear, I'm just reminded of what a dirty slime ball he is. And well, I, I think the big, I think I, the big problem here is, you know, the shield has all, the shield was about the cohesive unit. They were the brothers in arms. They were the hounds of justice. You know, they were together. It's just been. It is very obvious now that this is this is Roman's team. He's the standout here, and he just happened to have two other you know main eventers that are that well, are at his side. And I, and I feel like the crowd knows has noticed that too because. We like Ambrose and Rollins together, and I think Ambrose and Rollins should stay a tag team. I don't think that they should split them up anytime soon. And people like the Shield, but when it's just Roman, you still suck. This isn't helping Roman at all, I don't feel like. Of course, that crowd was hot for Roman in the main event, or so it seemed. Shield does come out. I, I want to see the other reactions, man. It, this this Houston crowd. Yeah, right? They were pitiful all four nights. All four nights. Yep, absolutely. Completely Up and agreed. down, all over the place. No rhyme or reason to what the hell they were doing. Yep. And then, so while Shield is in the ring and cutting their promo, you get uh this is awesome chant. And I'm just like, why in the fuck are they? Oh, it's not. This is awesome. It's Miz is awesome. And Roman makes the comment. Well, that's the first time I've ever heard that one. It's like, yeah. Well, fuck you. <laughs> that was the whole point. Fuck you. You know, I, I'll, I'll give Roman some credit there. He was able to to work on the fly there. And again. 
you, when he actually did that, you saw his real personality come out. But then it's real quick. All right, back to where was I on my script? And now back to the script when I sound like a robot with no inflection or tone. Oh, fucking Roman Reigns. Uh, the other, other major thing I, that I took from the Miss TV segment, man, he is my guilty pleasure week in, week out. He doesn't have to say anything, just that body language, how he's selling himself, Curtis Axel. Yeah, loving Curtis Axel. Loving Curtis Axel. So then we get the announcement that Miz and Roman are going to face off in the main event for the Intercontinental title. I puked in my mouth a little bit because I immediately saw where this was going. And now we have Roman Reigns as your Intercontinental Champion. Now, when the, when the match was announced, did you know about Absolutely. the movie? No, I did not know about the movie at that time. I did not. But going know into the, the match, movie. you know, I I had I I didn't think it was not like set in stone, done deal that Roman was going to win this thing for me. I was thinking, you know, Miz might be able to find a way to to sneak one by here again. No, it's but I knew big, big, I knew that Roman was taking this title inside of this program, whether it was tonight or over the course of the next month. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I figured at some point he was going to grab this thing. I thought maybe that Miz would escape here. Uh, with something to brag about, especially you know since he did the job the night before at the Survivor Series, had no idea about this movie, you know, and I wasn't mad that, that Roman won it. I guess you know, really, he got a good reaction from the crowd. I mean, there's a, a there was a decent pop when he won the thing. Personally, I didn't care. I, I was just I was immediately ready to to flip over to to the Simpsons. Well, evidently, there's about a half a million people that agree with you. Because the raw rating, while it stayed flat compared to last week, there was like 452,000 people tuned out in the third hour. So Roman Reigns this versus is, The Miz won't even hold an audience at this point. This is why I probably would have put this match in that transition from hour two to three, where we're, where we are, where we're, how we're becoming accustomed to seeing a marquee matchup. Uh, I would have put it there. That's usually when you, right before you see these numbers begin to dip or in that weird kind of peak, that roller coaster stage right there. And then I would have closed this show with a much better than Joe match. I think, I think if he would have hyped up uh, the Finn and Joe match throughout this show, I think you would have you would have held on some of your people, your diehards, Sparky, your bunch, your internet community. That would have liked to have seen a better match from those two. Now, real quick to go back to that, I, I know we're going to get the break here shortly. To skip all the way back to Balor and Joe. Was it a little too late for you that they actually started putting over that these guys had success as a team, that there is a history? Yeah. Was it a week, was it a week too late for you? Like, thanks, thanks a for week trying or two. Now, but, right. It's just like, God damn it. You know, uh, it's, that was the first like, thing I thought. When you were talking about, you know, you have those those writers come in, they do, you know, six months or six months worth of creative in six minutes. They were the ones writing this Joe and Finn program, you know, it's just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? So now what do we do now with I, the Intercontinental title? What, what Where does Roman Reigns go now that he is Intercontinental champion? Or do you see him holding this stupid thing until WrestleMania? And they do Warrior versus Hogan, champion versus champion, title for title. You, you know a misconception about that? 
in Vince's eyes, that match was not title for title. It was just champion versus champion for Hogan's championship. Just for Hogan. Yeah, because I never understood why in the hell Hogan would have won the Intercontinental title. It never made any sense whatsoever. And it's and it's why that we never seen Warrior defend the Intercontinental title after taking the title and vacated it shortly after. You know, it, but it is it's weird because you know in all the the promos and all that and how they sold that match, you know, everyone believed you know it was title for title. But actually, in Vince's mind, it was just champion versus champion. Well, it probably didn't matter in Vince's mind because he knew Warrior was going over. Right. You know. Wait, wait, so I, I hope, you know, that's out there. Oh, man. I, I, I hope that that's not the end game. I, I'm not sure I can stomach that. I mean, why did we have to put the Intercontinental title on fucking Roman Reigns? Like, I understand Miz is going to make a movie. In case you missed that memo, Miz is going to make... Mi- the Marine six or whatever the hell it is. So that's why they took the title off of him. Okay. I understand you need Miz to drop the title because you're not sure how long he's going to be gone. You legitimately can't think of any better option than Roman fucking reigns. I mean, why, why please? There there has to be a reason here, right? I will tell you this. I don't know where they go forward with Roman. I don't know who that opponent is, especially coming up here on these holiday shows or at the Royal Rumble. My biggest thing there on the Shield side of things is you almost, to me, you almost have to put the tag titles back on Rollins and Ambrose. Immediately. To me, it's just a major, a major slap in their face because it was their idea, that, hey, you know, let's all have, let's all have titles. I mean, it's a major slap in the face and... and you know, just hammers home the point that Roman is still above these guys if they're not all holding gold here. On the other side of the coin, across that ring that was staring at them, Miz is going off to do a movie. Please, please, please leave Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas on television. Let's let's let these guys try to swim on their own. It doesn't have to be anything major, but let's keep them in the eyes of the viewer. Let's see if. This great work that they have done, in, that they have been putting in as a part of the Mithraj, if if they can parlay that into a little bit of success on their own, I absolutely agree. I think you have to keep the Mithraj around, and I mean, this is the thing that just baffles me, right? No, nobody seems to know how long this movie is going to take to film. Nobody's reporting that, but it's a WWE Studios movie. It's like they have to know exactly what the filming schedule is exactly what the budget is it doesn't make any sense to me why we're oh roman reigns is the intercontinental champion i feel like macho man's rolling in his grave right now anything else that you want to say about raw anything else you want to comment on i didn't think that this was uh a very important episode kind of felt like a throwaway running in place disappointment of an episode. Yeah. I, I would chalk it up to more on the disappointing side, you know, coming off of what was a, what was a fairly solid survivor series. You know, you think we're going to get back into motion of really, you know, setting, setting off those, those sparks and, and fires within your own brand, getting those feuds, getting them revved back up. I was expecting more coming out. I was expecting more, uh, more from the fallout and moving forward. 
And once again, you know, like you said, we're kind of just sitting in idle. All right. Well, I guess uh, let's move. take a little break, listen to a tune, smoke a cigarette, refill your water, take a leak, and uh, we'll come back and talk about the amazing show that was SmackDown. How's that sound? See you on the flip. Sounds good, man. I'll catch you on the flip. All right, man. Talk to you in a couple. Things ain't going my way. I might as well float away. Things ain't going my way. There's nothing much else to say. But just fly by myself. I just want to be alone. Get high by myself. I put myself on airplane mode.
that was Airplane Mode by Mayday. You can check out Mayday on WWE 2K18. Strange Music did most of the soundtrack. Finally uh, completed the My Career Mode on WWE 2K18. The story oh, yeah. Was, How'd you do? The story's pretty good, man. The story's pretty good. Uh, spoiler alert, those who are still playing the game, if you want to skip forward about 30 seconds. The game ends with... Uh, you versus Triple H versus The Rock in a triple threat for the title at WrestleMania. Surprise! surprise. Yeah, I know, right? I was <laughs> I was so thinking as I was finishing up the game. I was like, even in fucking video game form. Even in fucking video game form. Part-timers in the main event at Mania. Fuck off. So insulting. So let's go on to SmackDown. Uh, Rick, what did you think of this show? But what was it better than Raw? Worse than Raw? About the same? Uh, as far as a, a a Survivor Series Fallout show, how did you feel about it? You know, coming off of Survivor Series, overall, I'm going to say that, that you know, the shows. If, if I'm just taking them from a broad perspective, I'm going to say they they ran about the same. You know, I, my interest. From a positive standpoint, what I took positives from each show, probably about the same. Did, on the flip side of that, there, there was quite a few things on SmackDown that really irritated me. And most of those, I know we're going to dive into these on quite a few segments here. The treatment or presentation of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn really bothered me to no end. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agreed. Um. How did you feel going into SmackDown? Because I know you didn't have an opportunity to watch it live. I didn't watch it live. And it was a chore to watch it. Like, I, I felt so WWE fatigued that it was like, I don't even want to watch SmackDown. Yeah, that's not... Wait, and that's not one of those things that it's a... It's not a, a knock, you know, specifically against SmackDown. It's just after hours upon hours, you go at two and a half... Seven, ten. I mean, you're you're pushing ten hours of WWE programming before we get to SmackDown on Tuesday night. Yeah, and I I was really feeling it. Very happy that World Tag League is going on, so at least I can go cleanse my palate with some New Japan in between. And I didn't, and and knowing what what I had seen from from Raw the night the night before, and feeling a little bit let down about the Survivor Series Fallout. I was really expecting a lot. I was thinking, you know, they, they, they can't really let me down anymore when it comes to this fallout here. And in that sense, I, I think SmackDown, maybe, you know, they, they had more focus on things that happened there. But some of it, I just, you know, I just really wasn't buying. And, it, and such, I guess, it's bad taste in my mouth. It's going back to throughout the show, how we're getting the presentation of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn again. And that was the, that was the running theme here. So let's you know jump into the open. You know, again, I, I wasn't feeling anything from Shane. For every for you know the 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 risk that he went to, how much he pushed that envelope and, and wanted to to hammer home that point that you know he isn't the B show. He wanted to to take apart Raw, he wanted to destroy them. And then he comes out here and it was kind of like, well, yeah, you know, we tried. Pat on the back to ourselves, we tried. Now let's move on. I I wanted him to be much more like dejected. Well, the first thing that I noticed 
right off the top was while Shane was walking to the ring, Saxton makes the comment that SmackDown clearly had things at hand and was going to win that match last night until Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn interfered. And that seemed to be like the narrative they're trying to push. Like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn cost SmackDown the show. And it's like, no, not really. Yeah. Like at, anything, at what point was SmackDown in control of that match when it was well, they were never, Shane versus three fucking guys? They were never in control. And the match continued for 10 more minutes after KO and Zayn interjected themselves. Yeah. So it's it was, like it was, immediately your narrative is just fucked up. The narrative well, you're, that you're trying to push versus the narrative that I know I literally just saw 48 hours ago. Well, and, and we know we talked about this on the review show Monday with, with Big Ray in the locker room over on the Hacker Hameen Media Group. We talked directly to this. It, it, what we saw in Survivor Series made Owens and Zane more of a joke. Yeah, because Shane McMahon like whipped both of their asses. Yeah, and then continued to fight on. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Owens and Zane were like, you know, doing the powerbomb into the ring apron and putting Shane through a couple of tables and leaving him a bloody mess for SmackDown or for Raw to just pin and this thing is over. That's the way they made it seem. It, it, it just the narrative was like, wait, what? What? Yeah, it's just a little lowest common denominator booking there, man. They totally missed the point there with it. If this was going to be really what you wanted to go with going forward, then their interference should have truly been costly to Team Blue at Survivor Series. Not at this way, it was more of just like an annoyance than anything. Uh, evidently, inside of the WWE rule book, there is a rule that says you cannot talk when the music hits. Did you catch that? Like, that was just so bad. Shane, your and Brian's music hits before he can say fired, and Shane just doesn't finish his statement. It was just like, but the music is playing, so Shane can't speak. Yeah, you see that all the time, you know, but yeah, it, it, it evidently that is in the rule book. If I was a heel, I would just carry around my cell phone with my entrance music always queued up. So when I wanted to talk to somebody, I could just hit my entrance music because you can't talk while my music is playing. So fucking stupid. Uh, Brian, then, you know, throughout throughout this show, too, you know, when well, let's we'll go to the Brian here thing first. I'm sorry to jump ahead. Well, yeah, Brian announces. Hey, I've got a better idea. Rather than firing them, well, let's put them in a match with the New Day because the New Day, you know, were definitely Team Blue. They were leading the charge against Monday Night Raw, and the entire SmackDown roster is pissed off at Owens and Zayn for costing them the match. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on right now, man? None of this well, makes it, any sense to me. One of the gets, you know, one thing that gets me here just to start with the New Day. They came out and put your team in a hole from the get-go. I understand not everyone can win, but they were kind of your leaders. You know, they led the charge on under siege one and two. They were they were very much 
the antagonist here is Shane was in this entire ordeal. Raw versus Raw versus SmackDown was much more Shield versus New Day than it was the five on five. Yes, it was one of your marquee matches and they fell short. And there was, unless I just missed it, not a mention of that, was there? Uh, only in Owens and Zayn when they were cutting their promo and said, okay. we would have beaten the Shield. Okay, so there was a mention there, but but nothing. Just in passing. Right, okay. okay. Uh, so that, that kind of, to me, is like, okay, I guess we're just supposed to forget about this, you know? Uh, New Day tried, I guess. Pat on the back for an A for effort. Then the Lumberjack match. This is probably one of the worst gimmick matches. I hate Lumberjack matches. I always have. Do you? Yeah, it, 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 I can't stand them. They all end in you know, the same way. You got that split here. And, but this one was particularly bad. Well, the Lumberjacks and, alone. I mean, when you got Shinsuke Nakamura just standing on the outside of the ring, and that's his involvement so, for the whole show. So many guys out there that we see just... And, and you have Nakamura lead. He's the first one out of the out of the locker room too when they're introducing the lumberjacks. And when, way, when the big skirmish when the big skirmish happened, and people are getting thrown out of the ring. Did you see who threw Nakamura out of the ring? I didn't pick up on that. Who was it? It was Connor from the Ascension. <laughs> like fucking seriously, Connor from the Ascension just 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 took out Shinsuke fucking Nakamura. Are you yeah, kidding it, me right now? He, he never should have been in that spot. And then with the divide with the Lumberjacks, you know, this everyone in the locker room hates you. I wasn't buying that in the least, you know, in the, not even a little bit. Just. Yeah. What? One of the ones that really stuck out to me was that Rusev kind of blew them off. If you're, if you're Rusev, aren't you really buying into everything that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are Reaching against Shane McMahon? Absolutely, because Rusev got left off of Survivor Series so that they could put in irrelevant John Cena. Remember, Rusev was supposed to have a match against AJ Styles to see who was going to be the fifth member of Team SmackDown. AJ wins the title. The match never happens. They just named John Cena to the team. Did you see? Rusev actually tweeted about that. Did you see that? He was like, congratulations to John Cena for earning the fifth spot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you sent me that a while back. Yeah, I mean, it was great. You know, but, but now he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not buying into what you guys. If there's anyone no, there I'm team blue understand. through and through. What? These are the there's things. There's anyone that, there. You know, and, and there's some people that watch the show, and they just don't care about this stuff. And it's just like, how, how do you not notice that? Just seems incredibly lazy and insulting to the audience. How 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 lazy the detail work is. I've had issue with how Owens and Zane have been presented this entire time. I, I hate that you know. On one hand, they're kind of I don't know. They, they seem so weak overall. You know, the, the chain is real quick to always kind of to bring his strong hand out on them. And they look so weak from day one. They've been here. They should have just been right out in the open. Hey, you know, screw your team. We don't care about blue brand, but we don't even care about, we, we care about our brand. We care about the, the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn brand, but you know, all this time, and I know sometimes it was in a sarcastic manner that they would go at it. Like, Hey, you know, we, we want to be on your team. I, I didn't buy in any of that stuff. I wanted them to be a thorn in Shane's side 
overbearing on his ass this entire time. And now in, in this in this episode, man, they just really cranked up this. I don't know the pussification of Owens and Zane to like a hundred here. They, they hit the max with it. Well, we'll bookend our SmackDown conversation with Owens and Zane, and when we get to the main event here, because I did very much enjoy throughout the show, Owens and Zane walking around backstage talking to lumberjacks asking for help, like. You know, Baron Corbin, who hates Team SmackDown, who are mad at them for costing Team Blue Survivor Series. I thought that was humorous. I very much enjoyed Bobby Roode just being like, number one, why are you even talking to me? And number two, fuck you. <laughs> it's just inside of the narrative, why would Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens go walking up to Bobby Roode looking for help. And why would they yeah, even I, be I, in that I, situation I to begin was... with? Right. Made no sense. No sense at all. Uh, I ask you this every week, so I'm going to ask you again this week. Can we just agree that the Usos are baby faces now? Yeah, I think you're right, man. You, you've been trying to, you've been hammering home that point that we kind of got that AJ baby turn, where it's just like you, you create a truce, or in this case, the oost truce, with a, uh, with an over the top, you know, baby opponent of yours, in, in that kind of way. I think they're trying to, you know, they're trying to present them as that that hip, edgy, cool. You should, it's okay to go ahead and cheer for them now. I don't, I don't have so much of an issue with that. Man, I, I just think that there's so much lost opportunity and maybe money left on the table by on the other side of the coin here with turning Chad Gable heel. Is is this Gable and Benjamin thing going anywhere? I don't feel like it is. I feel at this point it's just a placeholder until they can figure out where that what direction they really want to go here with the Usos. Until they, they get the Bludgeon brothers warmed up enough for the Usos or something. Yeah. Yeah, it just feels. I think this is kind of a feels like a throwaway program. program. Yeah, which I think is a real shame, and hopefully that you know sooner than later it rectifies itself. I I just think there is a lot, a lot of money to be had with with Gable, especially you know because relatability to the fans. You know the people really, really take to those that they can relate to. Gable is, he is one of those, that next great underdog story for them. And the guy has a tremendous resume and can, he can go like crazy in the ring. And we've seen, you know, those glimpses of where he's got great personality. Yeah. I've been high on Chad Gable since the first time I saw him down in NXT. But you know, there's nothing nothing better than a great underdog story like that. And you have one kind of sitting there with him. He's just too small. Fucking asinine logic. And, you know, I kind of want to even go back. We're talking segment one there. I jump down the throat of Finn Balor, and everyone's like, oh, and they always go to the small. It's not believably small. It's not because of his size. It's because I just don't believe him in the roles that he has put into well, for me, he needs for me he needs to present himself better in his personal life, and I understand 
yes, he's he is a normal human being. He is playing a character on television. But one thing in wrestling, perception is everything. I could get behind smaller competitors as like a Daniel Bryan and a Chad Gable because when I look at those guys, I believe I am getting that individual. I, I can believe in it. I, I, I buy the work ethic. I, I buy it. They've got the credibility. I don't have any of that with Finn Balor. Turn him heel. Turn him heel. Send him to SmackDown. Please. Either that or release him. I, I don't think that would change anything with me with him. Either that or release him. Let him go put a Bullet Club shirt back on. See what happens. That'd be fine. Maybe he'll do something that, that's believable. But anyway, let's, let's keep going here. I didn't mean to go back to Finn there. Just, but I just want to, and the reason I went back there is that this isn't a size thing to me. This is a believability. And you want someone you can, especially these fans. So the problem here today is so much fans get behind and support people that they can see themselves in. You know, this long gone are the days of where you sit in awe of these massive brutes, these larger than life figures and men. Now, now the, the fans are so close to the product. We see so much that's going on that they, they think they want to be in there like that, and they, they can relate to Finn Balor. Well, and inevitably, just to go all the way back up to the very, very top of the show, this is why I think people are going to turn on Braun. Because I think eventually people are going to be like, okay, yeah, we get it. Yeah, we, we, we like Braun, but... We cheered Braun originally because he was beating the shit out of Roman Reigns. You got to be very, very careful and put the right opponents against him. Otherwise, people are going to turn on him because it's going to look like Braun's getting the opportunities that somebody like Balor should have got or somebody like Gargano should have got. Somebody like Gable should have got. That's the problem. All right, let's move on here with SmackDown. So in the Jersey Mike segment, the sequel... This week, presented by KY Jelly, yours and his. Sometimes we get a little wild at night. But I don't always finish. So I use KY Duration Spray to last longer. So we can both... Nothing brings you closer than finishing together. Last longer with KY... This is basically a copy and paste from Monday Night Raw, isn't it? It would appear that way. I, that's really uh, what yeah, it was felt like. Buzz. I, I got a couple things here. I come a different direction to this, at this thing. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, my, my first, my initial reaction to this, I don't know if it's just because we saw pretty much the same thing 24 hours prior, but this came off to me as, as a major B-show move. You know, they just spent weeks kind of like telling me, and not even so subtly, just flat out telling me that SmackDown is the B-show, then SmackDown loses that Survivor Series, and then they were all pretty much the same thing. And, and nothing against these three talents with Riot, Morgan, and Logan. I, I probably think if you if you line these three up against the Raw counterpart, counterparts here, these three probably have a lot more talent in the ring. But when you look at when you really stack them up, you gotta kinda you gotta compare Riot and Page as your leaders. Page has substantially more star power. And you got Liv Morgan, your, your hot little blonde. Uh, I, I'm sorry, um, Mandy, Mandy Rose. Much more sex appeal. Much better looking. And even with Logan, who I know is an incredible talent, 
know, since she's been in NXT, I don't really get that crazy Mary Dobson feel from her. And when you line her up against DeVille, I, I you get them that impression that DeVille is more of a badass. She carries that style a little bit more for that role for the group. So this, this immediately came off to me as like a poor man's version of what I'd just seen. Very much so. And I, of course you're going to get the immediate comparison. Of course you're going to. I mean, when you do literally the same freaking angle, you're, you're begging for that comparison. But very much like I thought that Paige and Rose and DeVille was more Miztourage, this one feels more shield to me. Where I see, don't, I didn't like how I didn't get I didn't like how they introduced this thing in a backstage segment. See, I didn't get the impression that Ruby Riot was the leader. I very much got more of that we're a three woman team coming to get you kind of thing. Okay, so so this one definitely gave you more of that shield vibe. That more of the about shield that. feel, the shield vibe, yeah. Um, I think the backstage segment, I think the biggest thing there was you ain't going to see Becky Lynch for a while because she's going off to film this movie. I think that was them writing Becky off TV. And I, and I can see their logic with the backstage segment. It just it just wasn't as impactful to me if you just show up in that championship match. I can see their logic, like, hey man, we got it. Let's get the, these three girls' faces out in front of this this main you know this general audience, just in case they're not as familiar with them. We can let you know who they are. So hopefully, it's like, oh, now hey, they're spread. They're going after a bunch of people here later on. I, I guess I can kind of understand that. Just I knew I knew who each of them was, who they were. It just seemed like it was. It just wasn't as impactful as like going out to the ring during that championship match. I also immediately, when I saw them do this, went women's rumble. That's what's going on here. And that's when the narrative changed in my mind. It was like, oh, this isn't even about Paige. We're just trying to introduce six more talents to the roster so we can do the women's rumble. Now, before we jump into this women's rumble, do you... Going forward with these two groups, do you think it's just it is truly they just were kind of going the the low most common denominator route here and just saying, hey, let's just you said copy and paste? Or is could there be something deeper where these groups are connected and there is a grander plan? Or are we just overthinking and hoping that they actually have a plan for this, or was it let's just run shit out there? I, I think it was more let's just run shit out there. I would love for there to be some sort of a connection between the two. And I would love to see that happen and how that would play out. But I don't have any faith that they could pull that off. I think what would be kind of cool, you were kind of hitting at it earlier. If this is a way to get your horsewomen back together, to get them united, having this group spread across the two shows is a great way to bridge that since you do have Bailey and Banks on one show and Lynch and Charlotte on the other. Agreed. And I, I, I absolutely gave that consideration as that might be the direction that they're going. And then I found out that Becky Lynch is in that new Marine movie with the Miz and we don't know when she's going to be back. I'm, you know, I'm just going to assume you would think all Everyone that's taking off. Well, there's only two active superstars going for the movie. But, I mean, wouldn't you assume they'll be back by Rumble? I mean, I we've got two months so. until 
God, I would think they'd be back by fucking Clash of Champions. It's a WWE Studios movie. Didn't they shoot the last one in like six days? Yeah, I'm, I'm not completely sure. I, I wouldn't think it'd be any more than, you know, four to six weeks, all depending on what they've got to do. Um, but yeah, you think they would be back, you know, sooner than later. And you could, you could start and you could let these groups dominate for a little while and then start into some kind of program. Let's, I guess we're all wishful thinking that they actually have a plan in place. But I guess the recent track record, we'd have to lean towards they're just throwing shit against the wall. So women's rumble, is that where you think this is going? Yeah. Uh, and Going back a couple of weeks, uh, back to NXT when they put on one hell of a women's battle royal. I, me and you have been great proponents against uh, women's rumble unless they really gave us some, some reason. And we, we had some... We had some current concerns about what was going to happen inside that match. We both kind of turned a little bit on that. We were open up to the idea now. I still need, I want some reason. I, I want a good build to this thing. I want it to stand out. Is is actually something special and unique. Do not just run out a McMahon with, we've got this grand idea. We're having a women's rumble match. Give me some cool build to this thing. So you now have 22 women on the main roster. If you do a SmackDown's women's title match as well as a Raw women's title match, that brings you down to 18. What are we thinking, 20? To me, coming out of the gate, I know a lot of people out there, that that 20 number has been the magic number in discussion. To me, one of the reasons that each of us have been maybe, maybe overly critical Maybe we have been unfair at times, but we have been critical of this, what we both believe to be just a facade. It's a PR move. It is not really there, but people are buying into this women's revolution. To me, immediately coming out of the gate, if you say the women are only having 20, it holds true to everything we said. They're just doing it to do it, and they are coming out of the gate. It is lessened compared to the men's. I, I believe you have to go 30 competitors inside this match. You have to show that it is equal to its men's counterpart. I agree with everything that you just said. How many do you expect? Do you expect them to do a 30 or do you expect them to do I, a 20? I am, going, I am going to make a hard stance. I am going to expect no less than what they give the men for this thing to be taken serious. Okay, then my next question becomes... In my scenario, you have 18 women on the main roster. That leaves you uh, two spots to get to 20. You could bring back like a Michelle McCool, somebody like that, you know, just for that legend spot. Okay. Uh, how do you fill the other 12 spots in your scenario? In, in my scenario here, let's look at, I know we have a four-hour show, but we're going to have two 30 individual rumble matches on this thing uh then we have then we have other championships that need to fill out the undercard there i am only going to have one women's championship on the actual rumble card uh, i'm going to go with the raw women's championship simply because they don't have as big of events between now and the rumble uh, i'm going to actually probably give uh my shar shar still going to have that title she's going to have that night off so with a raw Women's championship match and Charlotte kind of having a night off. You said, well, I've got 22 people currently to work with. Yeah. So that would put you at 19. Okay. 
So I have 19 active on the roster. Correct. Uh, also from that, William Regal is going to negotiate a deal where he has been given, he's been allowed five slots to be occupied by the women superstars of NXT. Uh, five of them that have earned it, they're going to be able to shine on that big stage of the red and blue brand. So that's going to be five. I'm also going to have five returns. We're going to go back from, you know, to the past, bring back some big names. They're going to get some pop. And I'm going to have one wild card position. That'll get me to my 30. This could be a celebrity, uh, so, uh, someone from another sport. Uh, something that's really going to intrigue people. And I, if she's available to go here, I would probably give that slot to Ronda Rousey. Is that how you get to Rousey and Charlotte? That gets, I, I would go a number of different ways here. Man, I, I almost, you know, I, I don't know all the inner workings. I don't know where the other, the MMA horsewomen are at. What's going on here? I almost. Well, I mean, Baszler obviously is in the performance center. She is there. I, I don't know if she's ready for something like that. Maybe she does get one of those five slots uh, that, that Regal has secured for, for his promotion. Uh, so, let's, so let's go back. When I was talking about. I want like a grand announcement. I want something to really build this thing. Within a week or two from this conversation we're having, I have Lita and Trish Stratus start a little movement via social media. Uh, and the theme of that is going to be, and they can go about this in a, a, a few different ways, but maybe, you know, Lita kind of takes the charge. Like, you know, I spent my entire career proving that anything the boys can do, I can do better. And this is going to get some underground. It's going to get like a, a grassroots campaign going. Maybe we got the current roster, you know, talking, you know, jumping in, kind of talking in this, anything they can do, I can do better. We've we got, and they can encourage people from all around the independent scene that used to be with the company. They're with other major promotions that are just out there busting their ass to jump in and say, you know what? Yeah, we, we can do it here. On the Christmas episode overall, we're talking about we need some big announcements there. I'm going to have... Trish and Lita show up, say that they have been talking with Vince McMahon himself, with the board of directors. They've got a major announcement. Now everyone's going to kind of speculate this is, this is when the announcement's coming. This is what this is going to be the big thing. So that's not going to be a big surprise. But they do go ahead and announce that in close to one month's time, January 28th, that there will be the first time ever 30 women of Women's Royal Rumble the swerve, the pop, the big moment that gets it going. Trish and Lita are going to are your first to announce entrance into that match. I knew that's where you were going, and I don't like it. <clears throat> I like the pop. I think you got the. Oh the, yeah. the, I think you got the great vibe going there. I'm with you. I'm with you 100. The, there's only one problem. I do not want Lita even thinking about getting in a wrestling ring. Just for her health. That's just my personal opinion. I know that she still does some indie stuff, but nope. With her neck the way it is, nope. I I, I think it's so easy. You you don't you're not bringing her back for anything high risk. You're t you're bringing her it's back a, to go over the top rope to the floor. Nope. You you can protect a few people and how they get eliminated in this match. Yeah, I mean, I she I doesn't just, have to go spilling. She doesn't have to go spilling over onto her head. It's Lita. I think that yes, she pop, does. We, 
we've seen. There's going to be so much other things going on here in this moment. That's just a great way to get out of the gate here. You've seen the reaction that, that you got from a talent like Paige. You mentioned the hype and the thrill around Alita and a Trish. Oh, I Trish is the one. Trish is the money. I absolutely think that. If, if you were going to bring back any former diva woman, whatever you want to call them, from that era... Trish is the one. I don't care about Caitlyn. I don't care about Michelle McCool. I don't want to see Lita. I love Lita. I just don't want to see it. But Trish is the one. Absolutely. Of course, now we have, you know, like three women inside the company who look literally just like Trish Stratus. So even if we can't get Trish, maybe we could just get, uh, um, I want to, I want to call her Thea Trinidad now. Vega, Selena Vega. Maybe she could just dress up as Trish and run down to the ring. Well, I say Manny Rose is a dead ringer for her. You put those, put those photos side by side, you, you can barely tell the difference. You know what we should do? We should put up on the uh, Hitting the Marks page that uh, picture of Selena Vega where she looks like Trish and then a picture of Mandy Rose where she looks like Trish and a picture of Trish and see if people can guess which one is the real Trish Stratus. Well, the real Trish Stratus, what, please stand up. <laughs> Oh, God, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, you know, so going forward there, you can kind of get back to, you know, I, I got Rousey in there if, if she's able to do it as my wild card. I I almost think I was thinking about where I go forward with, with this entire, this women's divisions and their movement. I might forego Charlotte and Rousey. Man, I, I know that's still a money match. I would, I would, I would entertain the conversation to have Oscar versus Rousey at WrestleMania. And on the flip side of that, I don't know. This is just throwing out a, an idea out there. Maybe some people can further develop it here. Uh, tell me I'm just, just fucking stupid. Either case, man, I thought about going back and revisiting uh, Charlotte and bliss for a WrestleMania program and unifying the women's championships and, and just really having one women's champion. Now you're just fucking with me. Now you're just trying to get a rise out of me. See, I was going to let the whole Alexa versus Charlotte thing go, but no. You had to go and bring it up, didn't you? I think there's some real money in that program. Yeah, there would have been if Alexa would have fucking won. No, 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 no. I don't no, fucking it goes care. Right back. No. Now I don't no, fucking care. No, it goes care. back now. No, it goes back now because Charlotte has to be the heel here. Whoever won that match needs to be the heel, and... Charlotte in the heel role against Lessa is much more believable because of the size difference and the athletic ability. Charlotte is superior to her athletically, and she towers over her physically. I'm, I'm actually seeing the Paige uh, women's segment in the background behind me right now. There's one other thing I forgot to say about Paige. Please, for the love of God, get that bright-ass red lipstick off of her. God, she looks like a fucking clown. Um, so back to this riot, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan thing. I I feel like the call-ups from NXT were very, very carefully done to not hurt the NXT women's division. You think that was something that was deliberately taken into consideration here? Otherwise, why don't don't you bring up somebody like Nikki Cross here? I think... 
I, I think you're you're 100% correct here. You know, it was almost one of those things where you sit there and you kind of look like, you know what, we really don't have anything for you here in NXT. We don't have you possibly. We don't have anything for you in the foreseeable future. Let's send you up to the red and blue to see if you sink or swim. I look at this thing, man, and I'm just I'm staring at these names: Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and Sarah Logan. And I can't help but think, you seriously could have had Heidi Lovelace, Crazy Mary Dobson, and Nikki Glencross as the female Shield. How fucking cool would that have been? I'll see when I in the in the segment one here when we're talking about the raw version of these women's stables. Or sorry, WWE. They don't like the word stable. These factions. I would have went with those ass kickers over on Raw, on SmackDown. I would have went the opposite direction, and I would have brought up just the iconic duo. Let them do their things together. I don't think that they need anyone else. Like it takes. They just need each other. That act works perfect. And then in a week or so, then I would bring up someone on their own to enter to kind of fill out that to even out those rosters of these six women how many of them are still on tv in your mind come february 10th uh i'm gonna say i was just gonna say that uh, i think you'll have three that are still there page riot i'm gonna say and logan uh, you know, and, and a lot, like we said, you know, a lot goes on to what other things are developing, you know, especially if the MMA horsewomen are involved in anything. Uh, but just my, I, my initial thought, uh, Riot, uh, incredibly talented, unique look. I think that eventually, because of perception is everything, that she eventually phases Paige out. I don't see a whole lot of a need for her, especially after uh, they kind of use her up for the movie purposes. Fair enough. So I, I have Ruby sticking around. I think Liv, I'm kind of on the fence with Liv Morgan, but I, I would guess that she she will be able to hang in there. And I don't think there's that there's any question that they're going to, to have, they have big plans and they are, they are going to want to push the hell out of Mandy Rose. Yeah, I think Mandy Rose is your new Eva Marie. That gimmick uh, that was working with Eva Marie when she was getting over right before she got suspended, I think that's going to be Mandy uh, Rose. I don't know. I, I wouldn't give her anything that's going to remind people of that. Well, uh, I mean, I something like that, something like that, or something like what Emelina was supposed to be. It's going to be a throwback to that sex appeal diva. I, I don't. Know. I hope that yes, there is tons of sex appeal to sell there. That is her. Or money maker. Uh, I hope that they they go more with the comparisons to Trish Stratus. Uh, they they continue to encourage her her evolution inside the ring. She continues to improve the game there. That they they stick with her to be more of the Trish Stratus type. Where yes, you you can be this incredibly gorgeous gorgeous knockout of a woman. But let's get you to the point where you show people that you can really go. You tie into everything that they probably want for a leader of that women's division. If you can get her to work half-ass matches with those looks, she's your face. She's your moneymaker. 
Anything else that you want to comment on the women's division? Uh, you know, kind of just to kind of close out, we were talking about you know all these developments here in and a potential of a women's Royal Rumble. Kind of got me thinking here. I know we have a lot of listeners that are already members over there. If, if we're reaching your ears and you haven't done this already, jump on Facebook. Do a search for the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Go ahead and join up. We're going to launch on Friday. We're going to get a, a hopefully this turns into a great conversation piece. We're going to lay out. We're going to lay out this women's rumble, and we want to hear from everyone out there. How would you structure this thing? How would you kick it? How would you get it off the ground? How would you introduce it? How many participants would you have involved? Who would those participants be? What major storylines would you have developed here in this first ever women's rumble? What would the big payoffs be at WrestleMania? We're going to kick that out there to everyone over now. I mean, media discussion group on Facebook. And we'll revisit this later this week with our Saturday show. We're going to sit down and look at news through the whole week. We're going to get some move and we'll, we'll go look at this conversation thread to see what the people think. I have one more question for you since you kind of brought it up. It's been two weeks. Who's winning the Royal Rumble? I need two more weeks. Two more weeks. So let's talk about War hey, Machine. And, and, and the only other, the only other Royal Rumble news here is I do not owe you a coke now. Yeah, you fucker. Let's talk about <laughs> War Machine. I mean, Harper and Rowan. I I saw that they are now Harper and Rowan. They are no longer Luke Har- Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. They're just Harper and Rowan. They've dropped their first because names. When, because when you're a bludgeon brother, you don't have time for first names. So what do you think of War Machine? I mean, the Bludgeon Brothers. Man, did this... I, I don't know. Even during the vignettes and all this, this thing was falling flat to me. And then when it, to actually see it come to life in front of our eyes... Total swing and miss. See, and, and the thing that sucks is I really like both of these guys' talents. Yep. And I just hate this gimmick. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I hate their look. The entrance was cool, but nope. I, I, well, I couldn't even get into the entrance because I knew everything was just going to be so botched with these two. I mean, they're, they're great. They're great fucking talents. They, they've shown that they can carry themselves another leg. Why can't they just be what they were? Why do we have to have this all big dress, you know, dressed up gimmick with these props alongside them and all this stuff? And I, I don't know. I just wasn't buying it in any in any way. I hate the gear, man. I hate the gear. It's like this is they this is the gear that War right Machine threw out. You know, right? Oh, I hate it. Uh, AJ Styles, Jinder Mahal announced for Clash of Champions. I thought it was hilarious during uh, Survivor Series. Booker T could not help himself. And he kept saying, Clash of the Champions. He couldn't help himself. And every time, as soon as he'd get done talking, whoever the next person to talk was, like the first five things they would say is, Clash of Champions. Clash <laughs> of Champions. Oh, that's just Booker, man. That's, that's just, just Booker, Booker being Booker. Shucky ducky quack quack. So what do you think of AJ Jinder? Uh, you know, just I thought the promos were pretty good. I, I kind of liked that AJ said, you know, he, he came out. You know what? I, I appreciate that everyone's, you know, is praising me here, but I still came up short. I'm better than that. I promise to improve. I, I will. I will improve and I will be 
a great champion going forward for the for the people of the WWE universe. I liked his his and I thought it was I thought it was probably one of uh Jinder's better better promos. I think it was uh, one talking, of Jinder's better promos, but please. You think that probably has to go down to uh, it was probably a pre-tape in the back. Yeah, I'm sure it was. But please, I am begging for the love of God, will somebody please get Jinder Mahal a glass of water? Please. I'm I'm begging you. The raspy voice is just killing me. Poor guy just can't wet his whistle. I guess he picked it up in like Canada, huh? I've I've never like heard like an Indian. Have you ever heard a Canadian (laughs) with a raspy voice? Well, I'm sure they they do, man. Maybe that's the problem. Fuck up there. Have because I don't ever remember him having a raspy voice before. Do you? Like in his first run. I gotta be 100 percent honest with you. I don't remember him talking. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember him having the raspy voice. I wonder if that's why it seems so forced, because he's trying to, to put on say, that voice, so it just sounds so forced. Because it's really forced. Maybe that's how he continually passes his wellness exams. He's just shooting that shit directly into his voice box. Man, you know what? Speaking speaking of that, a complete side tangent. I rewatched the Ric Flair 30 for 30 thing again. Mm-hmm. It really bothers me how Hunter was putting over that he was telling Rick when they were going to test Reed. Like, hey, this is coming. Kind of made, yeah, made the wellness policy seem pretty uh, laxed. Yeah. Didn't Especially because you know that's time, that's always but. that's always been a that's always been a rumor you know like for Batista or you've seen Cena's name kind of involved in there like hey yeah, we're, we're gonna test you to, next week we, hint, we, hint, we got wink, a cycle wink. coming maybe you should disappear with another project or something yeah. right now or yeah sorry total side tangent um is there any chance Jinder's getting this belt back I looked this is after India so that's out of the question yes. Um, yeah, this is this is well after India. Any chance Jinder's getting this title back, and I'm forced to stop watching SmackDown forever? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't think so. Going forward, I think this is just a way to kind of give him. It makes sense here. Transition it to the the beginning of the year. I I, I do believe that they have given up uh, on this Jinder push with the with the championship. I mean, because. Realistically, I mean, wouldn't it make sense if you're going to put it on him to do it in India? Yeah, I mean, they, and now that and now that entire match is gone. Yeah, that's entirely out of the question. It's Jinder and Hunter. Very. Do you think Hunter puts Jinder over in India? I since it's not really going to be seen anywhere. I I would I would assume. I mean, assume you so. would assume so, and then you consider. It's Triple H. Is he really going to put over new talent knowing that everybody, that 1.2 billion people are going to be there with their cell phones videotaping him losing to Jinder Mahal and it's going to go viral on Twitter? Can can Hunter stomach that? Can Hunter's ego stomach that? I, I'm going to say somehow, somehow Jinder gets the, gets the W, but when it's all said and done, 
as in typical fashion, it's still going to be about the game. How do they make this about Hunter and still portray Jinder Mahal as a baby face without the Singh brothers interfering? <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm so intrigued. Uh, Charlotte versus Natalia in the uh, rematch we touched on in the women's conversation. Did you have anything to say about the match before the interference? I mean, it was Charlotte and Natalia. We've seen it several times now. It's always good. Yeah, it was, you know, just their standard match there. You know, this was more, this was more about, you know, what was leading up here into the match. Uh, your new faction on SmackDown. Uh, just, you know, reintroducing themselves once again on this program to the audience this time. Going after the two tops in the division, making a statement there. I, you know, this also goes into it is, as we were talking about on Raw, I'm not a big proponent of it, but I know it's, uh, you know, it's on a lot of people's minds out there that this immediately turns the entire division, except for these three, into babies. Uh, I hope that's not the case. I'd like to see some blurred lines. Keep your characters the same uh, in this. And just going forward, just kind of let the fans choose who they would like to, to back and support. You know what really pisses me off about this storyline, Rick? Let's hear it. You remember when I pitched this idea that Survivor Series should have been NXT versus WWE? You remember that? I, I do. I, I, but I see some differences here. But I, I know it, it's very bare-bones basic. It's it's pretty similar. How much cooler would this have been if they would have done it six weeks ago? And well, I think was, it would have been so much cooler, too. I mean, not to knock the ladies. I'm sorry. It just would have been such more impactful and meaningful if it was the men. Uh, this is nothing against the ladies. But, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, it's a novelty act on a program. Damn. So let's bookend it like we teased earlier because that's the professional thing to do. Owens and Zane versus New Day. Anything about this match that turned you on that you were just like, wow, that was really, really good? Or, wow, I'm really excited to see that going forward? No, not nothing whatsoever. I, I was Nothing? I was actually... Nothing at all? Because there were two amazing spots to me. Uh, let's hear it, because you know, looking back, I, as we've run through this thing, I, nothing. Nothing jumped out at me, man. Like I said, I wasn't excited for a Lumberjack match. I, I wasn't excited about how Owens and Zane were portrayed throughout this show, and especially at the close. It, it, just, it just irritated me to no end. Well, number one, Tyler Breeze was on your television. That's how you know it was the main event. Well, what was the match? Was this during the main event that did break that they told us that we are going to get another version of the Fashion Files next week? Fuck yeah. Looking forward to that. You want to play a okay. game? Okay, so I know, I know that was pop. That that had to pop you. That, we got a little that was uh, number one promo. And number two, we're going to get it, Rick. We're going to get it. It's going to be the new day versus... Rusev Day! Happy Rusev Day, Rick. I'm so excited for Aiden English and Rusev versus the New Day. It's going to be awesome. Man, you know, I am still sour that we did not get English 
How do you miss uh, that opportunity for a English versus Elias sing-off at Survivor Series? How? How do you miss that? Everyone. Everyone in the world. I mean, I'm talking from from those that run in our internet circles that we talk to, the hundreds of people that we interact with on a, a weekly basis, everyone was mentioning it. To people that I just, to casual fans, that no involvement with, with professional wrestling, but ask me, right out of their mouth, man, is this going to happen? Is it, this is the moment we are waiting for at Survivor Series. This, this is going to pop. This is going to be great. To even my the most casual fans, my, my little nephews, in elementary school, we're talking about the sing-off between these two, any kind of interaction, and they completely, completely just missed it with this, man. It, 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 there was nothing. Very disappointed. Rusev has demanded that WWE Shop release Rusev Day t-shirts. Very excited. Very excited. I, I am waiting for one of the, these great cities that play host to uh, to a WWE pay-per-view. And I would love to see this in Philadelphia. I mean, you talked about a tremendous spectacle leading into the Royal Rumble. If you if the, if the mayor comes out and declare, actually declares it Rusev Day. Oh, yes. We need that to happen. Is there a large Bulgarian population in Philadelphia? I, I have... No, I, I have no idea what their makeup there is, but I am actually, I, and I want them to go out, engineer a Rusev statue and have it placed next to the Rocky statue. Oh, that would be fantastic. The Royal Rumble. City, you know, maybe a little ribbon cutting around his statue. Oh, I, I, dude, I, you so would have, you, people would be popping like crazy. Oh, that would be so good. Trying to see. Oh, no, that's not what I want. That's the U.S. Embassy in Bulgaria. I was trying to figure out where the Bulgarian embassy was in the United States. Oh, it's in Washington, D.C. Makes sense. That's that's fairly close to Philly. We could, we could get this set in motion. Rusev Day in Philadelphia. Yes, I love so it. That's the next big one, you know. Let's I get some time. It. Let's hype it up. And I, I want to pick because you can play it in with the Rocky statue. Oh, that is fantastic. I would love to see a Rusev statue next to the Rocky statue. Oh, that would be so good. So we also get the announcement that uh, Daniel Bryan is not going to fire Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, who runs away and leaves Sami Zayn in the ring to get beaten down by the babyface New Day three-on-one. I would like to point that out. And then we get this shot of Kevin Owens on his fucking knees, begging for his job. Dude, that this this is where they just you know everything I've talked about that how disappointed I've been in the presentation of of Zayn and Ko here. This this was like literally this is like the equivalent of kicking a man in the balls. Yeah, basically, basically. Yeah. You, you don't get any lower than this. The image to see him on his knees, begging. Let alone in front of Brian. You know, yes. I mean. No, I think I, I would have been, it would have been even more despicable in front of Shane. Any, anybody. Kevin Owens is a freaking man. He has been, the, he's been a war. He's one of the most talented individuals on the planet. And he's been reduced to nothing but 
a sniveling, pathetic man. That was terrible. Absolutely terrible. So, Owens Norton next week. Are you looking forward to that? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think, you know, those guys work great matches together. But even the way, like, they just made the announcement, you know, oh, really, really? You know, you know come on. There's nothing that really hyping me for this thing. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they add a stipulation. I just don't know if that's going to do anything for me. Anything else that you want to comment on on the blue brand? You know, we were talking about how they presented these two. How much? How great would it have been? And how much of of a pop would you got? Just or just you know, I don't know. Stirred up, stirred up some emotion and and maybe I don't know some over some over the top excitement. If if when he was talking about firing them, you know, they're like, you know what? We don't care, dude. Yeah. Go ahead and fire us. We'll, we'll go move some merchandise at the Hot Topic. Oh, man. And then insert Daniel <laughs> Bryan. With the, you know what? You're not going anywhere. You're still under contract to us. I know you, you guys could go off the raw. You could go to anywhere else in this world, you know, kind of in that Bryan fashion where he's not afraid to, to I don't know, make mention of outside promotions or maybe take jabs at some things. You know, he comes out and said, you know what? You're not going anywhere. You are under contract to us. You're not going to get your way. We know you don't care to be here. You're not going to get your way. Now you're going into a main event match where everyone hates you, and you got to take on the New Day, who was pissed that they came up just short last night against the Shield, or two nights ago against the Shield. To me, that would have been much more impactful than what the hell they did. And the hell, I just thought of that in <laughs> way, 30 seconds. <laughs> way more logical, too. Oh, you imagine the internet after just dropping a Hot Topic t-shirt to the Hot Topic link? Oh, my link? gosh. Yeah, they'd lose their goddamn minds. But instead, we, we get Kevin Owens reduced to you know, a sniveling twerp. Since we're recording this on Thanksgiving Day, uh, we, we have seen NXT already. Um. Anything that you really want to comment on when it comes to the DeVille versus Riot match other than it was weird? Yeah, yeah, I think it was a fine match and all that. It, it did come off weird, but, you know, I really think if, you know, this was recorded on Saturday before TakeOver, correct? Correct. Okay. I really think if, if we hadn't seen what we've seen on Monday and Tuesday – with the introduction of these women's factions, I don't even know if we're sitting here talking about this match. Oh, absolutely. There's no way that we'd be sitting here talking about this match. And, and the only, it, it was just odd because Ruby is portrayed 100% completely babyface, smiling, all the sympathy on her throughout the entire match. And then on Tuesday, it's th- that was a completely different character. Right. I, I would be curious. Uh, you know, I if one of these damn sheets would come in handy sometime and figure out like when the call was made, like when did, when did they know that these were going to be the set talents that were going to be put in into these positions? Yeah. Like I, 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 I wonder if they knew this Saturday. I wonder if they knew that the angle was going to happen, but it was still up in the air, what the casting was going to be. And to me, I would think if you really knew when you went back into post-production for this match, maybe you would have played to it on a Wednesday Oh, you know, these, these girls are gone now, but it was almost like that, you know, they had no idea at the time. Yeah. The, and there was just, 
the very brief mention during the entrances, which were obviously cut in post, because right. I can hear it. You can hear Morrow's voice. It sounds different when he's calling something live versus when he's doing something in post. Drives me insane. So you would have thought that they would have somehow tried to incorporate that, but nope, no mention. Yep. Just like I said, I I don't know if, if, you know, sitting here now recording on Thanksgiving, what we know, if that didn't happen, I don't even know if we're talking about this match. Yeah, I highly doubt it. Highly doubt it. Now I, now, I know there is a match we'd be talking about. Yeah, there was really just a bunch of video recap packages and backstage interviews and nothing of any real substance, which is pretty typical the week after a takeover. But the reason we bring this show up, Pete fucking Dunn versus Johnny Gargano was fire. That match was awesome. I could have said it better myself. I mean, what, what a tremendous match. And it really you going back and it really makes you think that man this should have this should have been on the actual takeover special. Dude, the mouth guard spot I popped so hard for. Because I've I've wondered that every goddamn time I've seen Pete Dunn. I wonder about it every time I see Cesaro. Like, what happens if he loses that mouthpiece? Well, now we know. It was pretty awesome. I very much enjoyed it. I almost felt like Gargano milked it a little too long. Just mm-hmm. like, oh, does everybody see? I've got I've got his mouth. Everybody see it? Every, okay, I'm going to kick him in the face. Does everybody see? I have the mouthpiece. He does not have it. But, man, that super kick. Woo. Tr- tremendous match. You know, kind of going back to what I just said, it should have been on the actual special. I wonder if that would have maybe handcuffed it. I think I wonder if this was perfect where it was because they could go out and do this. You know, because in my mind, I mean, you would think, where would you slot? If they actually, this was on TakeOver. Where would you slot it in at? Uh, that's a good question. That's a now, very see, good to me, question. To me, the first, to me, the first spot that came to mind is that you bump uh, Sullivan and Ono, oh yeah, and this opening would become match. your opener. Yeah, the opening match. So maybe, maybe it handcuffs it a little bit. I, I don't know. Maybe they yeah, get to go out there and then do you the same also, match. But then, in true WWE style, then you could have put, you know, Ono oh versus Sullivan in between the championship match and War Games and cooled the crowd down. So, you know, I fucking hate yeah. that. I never, I've never understood no, you, that. And you know what? I, I think actually, you know, you just could have flip flopped them. Yeah, Sullivan Ono would have been a, been a fine. NXT it would have been match. a fine. It would have been a fine TV main event coming out of a takeover. Yeah, absolutely, right. absolutely. Anything else you wanted to hit on in this episode, Greg? No, man. I think you think we did a. When it comes to WWE, we did a nice weekly recap. I think we touched on everything. Hopefully, got some uh, entertaining. Uh, aspects out there to share with everybody and looking forward. I know we're going to, we're going to be back at it for our second show of the week. We're uh, hopefully we're going to have a, a, a nice surprise interview for everyone. Someone that's, uh, that's getting out there and really changing, changing the, uh, the way that we kind of perceive the dirt sheets or, or try to get away from the dirt sheets. I'd say, hopefully we'll have something special there for you. And then we're going to have a ton of news from the entire, the entire world of professional wrestling down for you and that'll be released uh, this saturday so that's going to do it for the thanksgiving edition 
Thanks for tuning into this special episode, and we hope that you're all enjoying your holiday weekend. Next time in your ear holes should be on Saturday, like Rick said, with that very, very special interview in the news. Um, then, of course, on Monday, Rick and I will be back in the locker room with our boy Big Ray over on Hacker Hameen. As always, you can find us over at thegorillaposition.com as well as on iTunes and Podbean. Be sure that you rate, review, and subscribe. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Find us on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. I've been seeing some of you doing that. It kind of creeps me out. Rick, how do the stalkers find you? Well, the messes can find me over on Twitter at TheRealRBV. Another plug here for our boys at The Gorilla Position. I would highly encourage all of our listeners to go on over. Check out TheGorillaPosition.com. It is the absolute best spot for, you know, exclusive interviews, interactive features. You know, it, it pretty much is everything that is good about reporting in the world of professional wrestling. You know, a major hat tip to, to our boy Ryan over there and his entire crew. They've got some amazing things going on. They're going to roll out a ton of new features heading into 2018. You want to be a part of it. You do not want to miss anything over at thegrillposition.com. Once again, I, be sure to jump on Facebook. Do a search for the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Tickle that join button. Jump right on into some great conversation. Awesome interactive threads. We, we're getting ready to launch our year-end awards. We, we got, we're going to have this women's rumble discussion going on over the weekend. Fantasy matchup. So much going on that you want to be a part of. Again, hop on Facebook. Do a search for the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Tickle that join button and join in on all the awesome fun. Happy Turkey Day, you fat bastards. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give up.
Get your bitch in the alive. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy. We'll be so bad guys. That's right. Violent.